Okay. All right. We're not using the Z word. Uh, in three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of November, the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along and uh, making part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Uh, I am he. And thank you for uh, joining us today. It is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-P by 70. If you would like to uh, join us today with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you. Here's how I know it's going to be a great uh, day. A, we have a little Shaun of the Dead clip there, courtesy of Aaron Geek in the city, Duran. B, first email of the day. I just got this about 14 seconds ago. Subject line, Jenkum is real. Let me tell you my story. Fantastic. Uh, we'll get to that here in just a second. It's 503-733-2970. It is uh, Friday and whatnot. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your comments about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, uh, or the just plain pointless. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Dot com, uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, and I do believe, Rich, did you ever get the, uh, did you get the hookup on the, the Richie at 970.am? Does that exist yet? If I say that, is it pointless? Is it going to go somewhere? Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, so there you go. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up today. Uh, well, speaking of uh, zombies and the Zed word and the uh, the dead and the walking and the corpses and the hey, hey. Uh, Max Brooks, author of World War Z, an oral history of the zombie war, is going to be coming up later on today. We'll have an interview. Uh, he also wrote the zombie survival guide, which... Here's how great this is. So I was at dinner last night with somebody, and in the middle of a discussion about really nothing in particular, a guy completely straight-facedly quoted something from the zombie survival guide, and then just kind of went back to eating. So there you go. That's how much that guy's infected the popular consciousness. Uh, so Max Brooks later on today. Lisa Desjardins, uh, back from... I don't know, somewhere. Uh, she'll be joining us today. Rachel McGrath from Los Angeles. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, who wishes he was dead. Apparently, O.J.'s actually in court today. So I think yesterday was just some other guy. Yesterday was one of the, I don't know, lackeys, henchmen. One of those guys that, like, in an A-Team episode would be in a bad sport coat. Uh, today, it's actually O.J. I think, really... I want to get bogged down in the OJ discussion now. There'll be plenty of time for that later when he's on trial, you know, for the third time. The, how many bites of the apple do you suppose that guy gets? It is. I think Dennis Miller put a real fine point on this earlier when he said that this really sums up just the inanity of the human condition. I mean, the guy effectively gets away with a double beheading, and now he's going to to whiz it all away because he had to go get a bobblehead back. Which makes no sense at all. Uh, so Lisa Desjardins, Rachel McGrath, James Roop will be joining us today. And really what must already be described is probably the most ill-advised top five ever. We're already having second and ninth thoughts about it and it hasn't even happened yet. Uh, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio will be joining us later on today. So here's the thing you got to know about this. I am already... I'm, it's not that I'm going to disavow it or wash my hands of it pilot style. I'm just going to say that I'm not going to make any promises about it. So Scott Daly uh, is being sued for divorce at the moment. And so that was, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago that it happened, two weeks ago that he told us about it, and so he's decided it's... it's and one week ago, today, 
He's decided. Curry had his first rebound. He's oh, that's right in the bathroom. Oh, don't uh-huh. forget to ask him about that. Hold on, Scott Daly. Yeah, I don't feel uncomfortable asking him about it. Do you? Bathroom sex. I just sort of forgotten about it. Uh, there you go. So, uh, so he's decided the time is right to come in and, in the midst of his divorce proceeding, give us the top five songs most frequently played on his iPod right now. So. That'll be a big pick-me-up for the whole crowd. So just look forward to that. So if you have any drinking to do, you might want to do it beforehand. Uh, what else? Fantastic Britney watch today. Uh, we have a... Uh, let's see. We have a Britney watch. We have a geek watch. A Batman-oriented geek watch coming up uh, later on. As I said, the interview with Max Brooks, author of World War Z. Uh, oh, and we'll do... Okay, and so... Well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to the Jenkum thing here in just a second. It is... The Jenkum thing, this is like... Jenkum is the video that cannot be named of this week. Uh, because we first started talking about it, what, Wednesday or something like that? And so here it is Friday, which is just as well. And I'm glad that we found it in the middle of the week. Because if it had happened on Monday, we would have been five solid days of that. So we'll kind of, we'll wrap that all up today. Um, so we'll, we'll go around the room and talk about that here in, in just a second. So that's all coming up. Uh, there was something else, but it, it sort of escaped me. at the moment. I never did get to this. Oh, Glorious Bastard of the Week. That's the other thing. We'll do the uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, giveaway later on. And we have um, the month's best or worst, depending on how one looks at it, uh, suicide. So we'll get to that right here. It's a fantastic suicide story. And a little bit more information on that wood chipper accident from yesterday. So there you go. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. A Hillsborough teacher was found guilty of selling her student's coat on eBay. Two moms get into a fight in the schoolyard. An Idaho woman is charged with setting her husband's stuffed bison head on fire. The Osmonds reunited on Oprah. And Florida Representative Bob Allen claims he wasn't looking for sex in the public bathroom. He just had too much iced tea and has a small bladder. Okay. Fantastic. Best excuse ever. Uh, we're also joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello, how are you? I'm excited. Why? Well, not really excited. Well, because my friend might be birthing right now. Yes, that is exciting. It is exciting. I've never known two people, like, been good friends with two people who actually have, like, conceived a child together. Now, who else? It's Jay and Lisa. Oh, I thought you meant there was someone else having a baby. No, no. It's like, like no, you know, I've always known first... one per Like, I've always been, like... Anyone who's ever had a kid, I've been like a good friend of one of them, okay. but not both of them. All right, so this is the first couple. This is the first. This is the tipping point. This is, this the, is the first, first couple. couple you know that's having a child. All right. It's true. Are you nervous? Are you I'm freaked out? Nervous. You seem a little. You, you seem a little on edge today. Not in a well, bad mood as such. You friend... seem a little sort of. You seem a little not here. Well, I had to ride the bus today. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, the bus was 20 minutes later. I had to ride the bus because I'm going to take the streetcar to the hospital afterwards. Yeah, that'll be... Hey, but before you take the streetcar, let me urge you to pick up today's Oregonian and look at the front. Look at just... Did you see today's paper? No. Oh, it's it's just a huge picture of the Max. And then the, uh, the the headline in like the like the largest like in that sort of you know victory over Europe size type it says uneasy riders and then there's a picture of the Max and then right below it it says I'm I'm trying to do this from memory I think it's correct it says rape robberies and other assorted crimes plague the Max line police officers unsure what to do so there you go what's in the middle of the day uh huh hmm. perhaps sure. put a cop on the Max <laughs> no that might That's be raising to do don't. Don't go thinking outside the box, Tim Riley. No, they're going to put the... Um, it'll be... uh it'll be, you were pusser on there. No, it's going to be plain clothes police officers. Oh. They're going to be undercover, Tim. Oh. They're all oh. there. You just don't I, I think them. they've been there all along, haven't they? Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, be sure to pick up a copy of the, uh, the Oregonian. Well, when I've, she... never, I've never ridden on the streetcar before. Well, the streetcar, now, we talk about the same thing. The, the streetcar is different than the Max, so maybe... It's that thing right down there, right? That's the thing on Harrison? Yeah. Right. So what it's is the, the difference? Green? Yeah, what's the difference? I don't the even know. The streetcar... 
if if you were walking really, really slow, you would go as fast as the streetcar. That's what everyone says. My friend's like, you might as well just walk. Yeah. Now, there's three different things. There's Well, there's the bus system. There's the max. There is the streetcar. But then what is that weird trolley thing that runs, too? You know what I'm talking about? There's that... Oh, yeah, that's separate. I'm that not sure San Francisco-looking thing that runs around here? Yeah. So what is it? Do they all I, go to different... I think so, yeah. Do the streetcar and the trolley do two different things, or is yeah. one just is one just decorative? One is, one is decorative, and it goes somewhere else. Yeah, all right. Well, there you go. No place I've ever been. Are they all... Fr- and they're free, though, right, if you're downtown. Like, you don't have to yeah, pay to get on the streetcar. Yeah, they're downtown, but what you hit Everett, if you're on the uh, clang, clang trolley there... Uh, you got to pay the regular fee, as, as you would if you're riding on the max. See, here's the thing about riding in Fairless Square, and don't get me wrong, we do have great public trains. As I, much I think as Fairless Square should stop. <laughs> of course you do. And you know why? Well, well, it's because of poor people, and they're always very unappreciative of anyone doing anything for them. They cut everything with knives. <laughs> here's the thing I think about. I get on that, well, okay, A, I was going to make a similar if somewhat less harsh observation about well, Fairless Square, <laughs> which is that if you get on uh, uh, the streetcar, which I've ridden a time or two, or on the max, or uh, rather on the on the, trimet, the, the the bus in Fairless Square, you do notice, I think, a disproportionate number of homeless people who've just decided that that is their rolling shelter for the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Need to take a snooze? Just just whirl around I'm, Fairless Square. I'm interrupted for profanity. No. Be, being led around by uh, scraggly pit bulls. And that's exactly what it is. A dog on the end of a piece of twine. Uh. Am I the only one that every time you see one of those idiot gutter punks with a dog, you just want to go whack the guy in the head and take the dog and give it to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Every time, and I, you just feel so. It's like seeing, um, you know, it's like seeing a kid in the in the aisle of a Walmart with a really stupid parent, and you just want to take the kid and give him to someone randomly, knowing that just the law of averages dictates that the new parent will be better. Anyway. All right. Hey, are you still reading uh, uh, All God's Children? I'm reading that right now. How far into it are you? Um. I'm actually only about like 30 pages in. Oh, I get so much worse. It is. It's pretty bad. And I was reading it on the bus, and it was just. And there's so many icky people on the bus. Yeah, I was no. just really grossed That's... out, and everyone. And it was taking so long. It kept stopping, and um, more stinky people would get on. And they would just sit there with the doors open for like five minutes. Like really, if people are taking. Yeah. I'm like, if people are taking the bus at this time, obviously they have some place to be. Why don't you just sit here and leave the freaking door open? What a group of intolerant, grumpy people we are today. It's gonna be a fantastic show. No, that book gets. It just gets it's already kind so of disturbing dark. it's talking about like right where we are, like talking about living in Front Avenue. And I'm going to tell you this. You will never look at the steel bridge the same way again. Um, I mean, obviously, they, they give away the ending early on in the book. They talk about what happens. But they do that thing that In the Heart of the Sea does, where they start at the end, and then they pull back, and then they start the whole march toward the end again. You will read that book, and every time you, you know, if you bicycle down there, if you drive over the steel bridge, or if you're down by First and Arthur, down by that 7-Eleven that's down the street from us, and there's that overpass with the mm-hmm. homeless camp, I have to tell you this, every single time that if I drive and I go down uh, uh, front, and I go by the Legrand Industrial Company, which is just like two blocks away from us, there's that homeless camp down there. You, I will never look at that again because it, th- th- there are several horrific incidents described in really gruesome detail in that book that took place in that homeless camp, which again is just... Where's the homeless camp? It's just like two blocks from here. You know that 7-Eleven down the street? 
Yeah, the one on the other side of the, of yeah. the intersection. You know, if you, like if you're walking uh, away from the old KOTK building. Yeah, you're walking down the street mm-hmm. toward like the Lair Hill Deli. There's that 7-Eleven there. Well, like directly across the street, like 100 yards away, is this homeless camp, which is still there, by the way. And there's just all of this horrific violence in that book that happened at that homeless camp just a couple years ago. So I would have the author of that book on if I didn't think it would be so unbelievably depressing. I yeah. mean, it would just be the biggest buzzkill. Great book, though. It's called All God's Children. Uh, it's a, it's a yeah, really... It's going to leave you with an icky feeling. Yeah, it's just a really dark book. It's great, though. Hey, speaking of people who smell, though, so I was over... A, so so the plaid pantry guy has... Oh, God, he was there. Did you see his shirt that he was wearing today? No, but you, you know you know when I also oh. saw that shirt, Sarah? Yesterday. Oh. Really? Yeah. He tried to make. Uh, he tried to talk to me. And I just wore my sunglasses. I was rude. I didn't mean to be. But I, I like pretended I was on my phone and I wore my sunglasses. I've discovered, by the way, that the plaid pantry guy, who is a source of endless fascination to us with his apparently limited wardrobe, uh, he has developed several pet names apparently for some of the female uh, employees in this building. Yeah, for Kristen. Oh, really? Is there one for Kristen, too? Yeah, he calls her gorgeous. <laughs> oh, that's not even the one I was thinking. He called. There's another woman in this building who he calls Candy. Ew. <laughs> Hi there, I'll take a I'll just be taking this, you know, whatever. I'll just I'll just be buying this bag of you know I'll be buying this bag of you know Werther's candy. All right. Candy. You know, whatever it is. So it is he he I don't know where it came that's from. It. I'm, but just, he I'm just not very candy. nice to him. Yeah. Like if uh, that's what I told Kristen, I gave her a pep talk. I'm like, don't give him a window. No. Just, you know don't make eye buy contact. your crap, pretend you're on your phone and then get out. It's like Tim, even if you don't have an iPod, just put headphones on. Just stick the little earbuds in your ears, even if the even if the, the cord just trails into your pocket. Um, so, uh, just this brief observation. Then we'll t- talk about the Max thing again. Then we'll talk about the coin story on Jenkum last night, which was fantastic. Um, so, uh, that guy. So, do you remember how last no two weeks ago I was keeping track of that T-shirt that he was wearing every single day, and he did wear it for at least four days. He wore it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I have no way to know whether he wore it the previous weekend or not, so he could have been wearing it actually for as long as six days. Then he switched to wearing the plaid pantry, like the black, uh, it's kind of like a bowling shirt, but it's his plaid pantry. And so, see, with that, though, it was impossible to track because, you know, who knows? He might have a whole closet full of those. Probably not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but, but he might have a whole series of actual plaid pantry shirts, so it's impossible to tell. His shirt today looked like it was, like, purchased at a plaid pantry. Did you see it? It had those weird, like, 90s, like, early 90s, like... Um, you know, like the spiky like designs, like yeah. the tribal designs. Like he it bought all it over his shirt. The Bymart with Scotty. Yes, exactly. It was all silver and black and edgy. Or like one of those shirts that you get, like it, the, the shirt itself is a dollar ninety nine if you mail in enough Marlboro, like you know, like tags or something. So I can't track his clothing habits when he's wearing the plaid pantry shirt because again, it, you know, he might just have a whole a whole desk full of those somewhere. But I did notice that. At big, but when he's, but you know, of course, if if he's wearing like a really specific Rob Zombie shirt or something, that's a lot easier to sort of follow from day to day. So I do know that yesterday and today, same shirt, and it's like the big, the big sort of, um, like, it's like the big bowling shirt, and I did notice, by the way, there is no sort of t-shirt underneath it. So as he wears it, it is sort of sliding all over, oh. gathering, gathering especially creepy today. grease and skin cells. Is that right, Candy? No, he doesn't call me anything. I don't think I'm friendly enough. And I usually am. I'm a very friendly person, but uh, he is just creepy. I won't give the woman's name again. There's a woman upstairs who is called Candy by him, and apparently Kristen is called Gorgeous. Fantastic. All right. uh, 
So your final observation about the Max for today. We'll talk more about it. We are trying to be local and relatable, and it's on the front of the Oregonian. The thing about Fairless Square is, and again, don't I don't understand Fairless Square. Well, there's a there's a, if you're basically if you're on the uh, if you're lazy and you want to like just ride the bus for two blocks, it's free. Yes. No, it's only the two blocks. Well, it's, it's a whole downtown up to the Lloyd Center. Yeah, it's, it's is it all the way to Lloyd Center? Yeah. Oh. I didn't know that really. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I think they've expanded that. Yeah. So the bus. And the streetcar and whatever, there's a whole section of Portland where they are free. Uh, which, as you said, does sort of beg the question, like, what, especially now with the traffic the way it is, they just walk the three blocks. I'm not trying to be like, you know, I'm trying to be like Jack LaLanne about it or anything, but I mean, really, just seriously, just walk. But, well, whatever. Uh, but but it, does become some, it does become sort of a, just sort of a refrigerator box on wheels for some of the... Uh, some of the homeless who just decide that that's where they're going to live for the day. Where are you going to live for the day? Fairless Square on a bus right next to you. Uh, all right, so there we go. We've got that. Uh, I'll get to the story about the best suicide of the month here in just a second. Really, there is some ingenuity that went into this that went into this story. But we have to stop down and ask. Uh, okay, now did anybody watch Coin News last night? Did we watch the Jenkins story? I didn't. I missed it. Oh, I missed Sarah? it too. See, here's the thing: is I would have forgotten all about it had it not been for two things. A. I thought you set your TiVo. That's the thing. A. I set the TiVo from here last night, and so uh, the, even if I had forgotten about it, I would have noticed it this morning. But B. The great thing is, starting at around 10:45, which is I guess when Coin begins to run their uh, coming up on Coin News six. Starting at around 10.45 up until around 11.15, I began getting endless emails and MySpace messages about it. And they also think, like, dude, I hope you are watching Coin News right now. They are preparing the Jenkins story. And I don't know when it is that Coin News started doing this where, and several people pointed this out, where they literally now will, will tease how many minutes away a certain story is. Which doesn't really make any sense to me. Like, we've got this. Rick. Please type your message in the text box. Um, okay. Hi, Tim. How you doing? I was just looking at Jenkum recipes. Really? And that lady started talking. Excellent. I'll print it out. We'll go over them later. Um, so this is... We've got this email. Rick, I just... This is the uh, emailer saying this. This is not my assessment. Rick, I just, quote, suffered through the Coin6 newscast to listen to the Jenkum story. By the way, did you know they teased the story at the top of the hour, literally telling me I had nine minutes to waste on another channel before I had to tune back in? What kind of insane marketing is that? I was actually surprised at how they handled it. They were at least acting like it might be fake, but they still did a report. The best thing of all, though, Rick, was when the story ended. After they went on and on and on about how the last story had a dubious claim attached to it and acted like they were a serious source of pertinent news... Their next lead story was titled, How Sexy is Too Sexy? <laughs> Signed, Local News is Lame, Long Live Tim Riley. Indeed. Um, so, what is that guy's name? Joel... Uh... Iwanaga. Iwanaga. And he, I... he's, he's charming, isn't he? He is charming. I had a secret crush on him when I was working at Coin. He does. I never met him, but I would see all of his reports. He is very exuberant. Uh, so, uh, let's see here. So, I've got the Coin thing from last night. So, here's what I've got. I've got this broken into about nine different parts. I've got the full-on Coin News 6 story from last night about Jenkum. Then I've got a couple little tiny things from Coin News that I sort of isolated. And then I've got an entirely different Jenkum. I found this last night at around, uh, I don't know, 6.30, 7 o'clock last night. I found this. And it just put a big smile on my face for the rest of the night. This you found other coin? No, no, no. This, this, this other, an entirely separate Jenkum story. Because, you know, we're just awash in them now. We're just up to our ankles in Jenkum News. I found another Jenkum newscast last night from another station that 
It's so great. I mean, it makes that... It, 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 I mean, it's unbelievably hilarious. So we'll get to that in a second. Awesome. Let me do the coin thing before we do anything else. So let's go ahead and I guess we can drop the uh, bed here. So this is last night's coin news update about the Jenkum menace. Well, what appears to be an urban legend for now is sweeping the Internet by storm. Now, some people say this is just a myth, but others argue it's real and it produces a no hallucinogenic high. Well, according to Secretary like Joey Winaga joins us with his special report tonight. Joel. Now, just uh, before we start, and I will let this play a little bit, um, who is that? Who is that person that I'm hearing there, the woman? A very unfriendly blonde lady. Okay. I can't remember her name. She, she was really rude it. to me when I met her. Blonde well, woman. What appears to be right. an urban legend for now. According to Six reporter Joey Lanaga joins us with his special report tonight. Joel. Well, Jeff and Kelly, as the story Kelly goes, Day. you can receive a natural, really? mm -hmm. albeit okay. disgusting, high derived from human waste. And pardon the pun, but it is causing a big stink on the Internet Ugh. and has now caught oh, the attention Joel. of law enforcement. Bet he has a degree in something. Some call it an urban legend. Why would you do something like that? Others call it a hoax. That's just disgustingly gross. I've never heard any humanly thing like that. By the way, that woman, that woman right there, did you, oh, you guys didn't watch it. That woman right there says, I never heard any humanly thing like that. <laughs> she just got off uh, Fairless Square. Does she look like her breath smells like feces? <laughs> That's not my assessment. She might be friends with the plaid pantry guy. It is known as Jenkum. The BBC first reporting the vile practice of fermenting ah. human waste to get high by impoverished children in Africa in 1999. Then just last month, a sheriff's department in Florida issuing this bulletin warning its deputies to be on the lookout. It triggered a flurry of talk that swept the nation via the Internet. Pundits quick to jump on this Pundits. bulletin, noting these photos came from someone who admitted he faked the concoction by using flour, water, and beer. While most believe Jenkum is a hoax, federal drug agents take it seriously. We have had reports in the past um, that there's something similar to this. Um, you know, but again, it's, it's not something that we're immediately going to discount um, because we never know. Check the Internet. Yahoo reporting some 80,000 references to Jenkum. This worries local drug addiction counselors who believe young people may see the myth as real. Let me just, first of all, let me just interject a slice of personal observation here. As somebody said last night, I think somebody emailed me this comment, you know what, even the most deviant and retarded of American children doesn't want to be known as the kid who handles his own poo. So really the idea, like, I don't care... I don't care how desperate you are uh, to get high and kill in 90, 90 minutes or two hours. No one no wants to be known as the poo sniffer. So this idea that someone's just sweeping the nation is just ridiculous. I was just reading a question from someone named Chad. He says, I'm going to try it next Saturday, and I want to know what I'm getting into and what I have to watch out for, and also what could happen to me. I just want to do it safely. Now, wait, is he emailing you specifically? or is this No, this is... The negative effects of, uh, let's see, what's this message board? Oh, it's the negative effects of Hopping Jenkins. Well, I think the negative effects are that you're going to look retarded. Well, I think it's negligent. I, I think that the people that would put something out, like this out, uh, it seems to me they would be aware that some people are going to try this. Federal drug agents believe it is possible to get a euphoric high off the fermented concoction, but have had no confirmed cases in this country. If they start to see it, if they start to hear about it, if, you know, 
they start to notice something that may be out of the ordinary. You know, it's, it's at least something that keeps us vigilant and, and on our Vigilant. Toes. Meanwhile, drug counselor Alan Levine is the former head of the Clackamas Recovery Association Project <laughs> and hopes this is the first they should know. to make <laughs> That's where it's going to start. Remains he has a look, too. Legend. And you guys' stories are really helpful in, in debunking these kinds of myths. He really does look, by the way, like a Clackamas drug counselor. He has that full-on KGON look. Legends, it lists Jenkins' use right here in the U.S. as, quote, undetermined. I'm Joel Iwanaga, Coin News 6. Well, definitely interesting. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. All right, so there you go. Oh, yeah, and then so this, yeah, so this was their big gripping follow-up, by the way. Now that they've presented themselves as a serious, uh, as a serious news to. How sexy is too sexy in the workplace? Plunging necklines, short skirts, maybe high heels. Well, coming up Monday night on Coin News Six at Eleven, we're going to show you what not to wear, why and how a battle of the sexes. Is it Sweeps Month or something? It's Sweeps Week. Yeah. Okay, is that the, is, that's why there's the but how who's sexy. Who's the person talking in the background? How? Well, they're showing a business place. Oh, okay. And I have no idea what the story is, and by the way, I won't be watching to find out. But the story they're teasing while she's doing that. How sexy is too sexy in the workplace? Plunging necklines, short skirts, maybe high heels. And then they're and then they're they're cut into some sort of business where I swear to God, there's a woman in like a French maid outfit that is like cut up to her crotch, like bending over. And like giving everybody the big ass shot as she brooms. So I don't. So there you go. Um, okay. So oh, by, just one one more thing, and then we don't have time to play the other Jenkin think why yet. We'll have to play that later on. This other one is worth its weight the in gold. The, oh man, it's it's unbelievable. So I'm gonna play this one thing, and then we'll break this. So they were there was some story about some, as Heather Mills would say, a pedophile who uh, apparently was. He's he's in the community or he's around. He's some uh, he's some self-confessed uh, pedophile, and uh, I don't know the backstory and I don't really care all that much except that apparently there's some sex offender living in living in Portland who he was being interviewed and I guess he's done some time. I think I guess that was the upshot of the story. But he's he's being interviewed about it, and he had gone on some local media to talk to give his side of the story. And so just this right here. Tonight, a Lake Oswego grade school is on alert after a sighting of a self-proclaimed pedophile. Jack McClellan says he enjoys taking pictures of young girls at public places and public events. Okay, now the best part about this. Ew. No, the greatest thing, though, is they are showing this guy who is just all greasy and vile looking, who is a self-proclaimed pedophile. And a as pedophile. The, and, and as they're saying, self-proclaimed pedophile, they're showing him... Stop saying pedophile, because I'm never going to be able to say it right again. As they're, pedophile, as, pedophile. As, they're, as they're showing him talking about being a self-proclaimed uh, fancier of children, um, he's right in front of a microphone that says KEX in huge letters. It says 1190KEX, <laughs> like in big letters. So that's what you want on the screen, some greasy Basil Wolverton-looking guy talking right into a microphone that is labeled 1190KEX in gigantic letters. Tonight, a Lake Oswego grade school is on alert after a sighting of a self-proclaimed pedophile. 1190KEX. All right, so there you go. Fantastic. Well done. That's the kind of media placement you want. All right. Hey, who wants to take a break? I want to hear more about the uh, pedophile. Oh, man. Well, as do we all. I've had worse press than a pedophile or a murderer, and I've done nothing but charity for 20 years. Fantastic. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Show. So where is she? Where is she? In the front lobby. Hold on. 
Can I just press zero on this? Will it ring the front? Hi, it's the Rick Emerson Show, by the way. Jinkum Anonymous. Hi. Hello, Dave Zinn. How are you? Hey. Hey, can I tell you, Dave said the greatest thing to me yesterday. I wrote this down. So Dave comes by my office uh, yesterday afternoon, and Dave has just got the greatest sort of like bone-dry wit. Dave comes by my office and he goes, um, Rick, when was the last time you ate dot, dot, dot? And I said, why? And he goes, well, I'm all out of Jenkins. So I just sort of... I know, Dave always catches you off guard. You never really know. And then he puts it, he puts the knife in. Uh, hey, Dave, is, uh, is there a young lady at the or front... Or a young man. Or a young man at the front, uh, front desk? Uh, not yet. Okay. Somebody, I thought you said your friend was bringing you a sandwich. Yeah, they're out front. And the umbilical cord. All right. <laughs> yeah, they're bringing you the well, placenta. Up, I have a, we'll all right. bring on Miss... Uh, Desjardins. I don't know that she's. It. I don't know that she's there. There's somebody on the hotline. That's Dave Zinn. Oh, well, it's, Hi. it's not Hi, a good day for Jenkins Brewing because yeah. it's so cloudy. But okay. anyway, thanks, Dave. Bye, guys. All right, there you go. How you doing? Good bit. Thank. Yes, there is somebody on the hotline. It's Dave. I know. I am Rick Emerson. We're doing a show. All right. Are you? Uh, do you need to? Do you need to like do a deep breathing exercise somewhere? No. Okay. Well, you just caught me off guard. I'm like, I don't know where they are, and they're, I'm getting all these text messages like, we're out front. I'm like, well, I, bring I it inside. I don't understand. So your friends are doing what? They're bringing you They're a... going over, yeah, they're dropping me off some lunch, and then they're going to meet Lisa at the hospital. Oh, I see. For the uh, so, for, Yeah, for they're the all going now. I can't go till 3-ish. All right, okay. So yeah. but, but, so they're taking so they're taking pity on you that you can't leave to go see the birthing, and they're bringing you food. Yes. All right, fantastic. So I'm staring now at the phone, realizing this is the time when Lisa's supposed to be calling in. Yeah, four minutes ago was the time. Yes, yes, it was. All right. Well, um, does Richie have the contact info for CNN? Because here's the thing. Again, I don't mind waiting for her. It's just, of course, as always, uh, it's going to bump up, you know, against somebody else at 11:50. Um, so does he have I, the contact info for call? CNN? Why don't you do that? Okay. And I'll read this email. I got this because we. There had been this whole question. By the way, we want to thank Carl Click who sent me like every contact number. Apparently, he was listening yesterday. And please don't pick up the phone, Richie. I'm not even sure that Richie's back there. I think I just saw him walk by. Richie's vanished somewhere. Uh, so we had uh, talked about uh, about Carl Click yesterday, and Carl, of course, was you know works over at K2, and we were wondering whether or not K2 was going to be pursuing the same Jenkum angle uh, that Coin Six was all over last night to the benefit of their community. And so, thanks to Carl, he sent me an email this morning. He's like, you can call me anytime. Here are the following nine phone numbers at which you can reach me. So I won't say where I got this from. Because the email says, you didn't hear this from me. So, no, I did not hear this from you, whoever it is that sent this to me. I was talking to someone else here at K2 about the Jenkins story. Just for your personal information, he asked our news director about the whole, you know, getting high on your feces angle. And the quote from our news, this was at K2, the quote from our news director here at K2 was, quote, even if this was a true story, we would never, ever be covering such a story. So there you go. They don't have the community involvement that COIN does, though. K2 doesn't quite get, they don't have the same care for America's greatest natural resource, that is, children, uh, as they do over at Channel 6. So there you go. You got your sandwich? I got my sandwich. Is all right with the world? All's right with the world. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, from the hill, CNN radio correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hi, guys. Was I keeping you waiting? I'm sorry. That's okay. We'll never forgive you. 
<laughs> you know what it is? Because usually I call and you guys are in break and I'm waiting around, and usually it ends up being right around now that also, we talk. Also, our fault, Lisa. I said I'm, I'm blaming the victim. That's what I'm doing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was because I was showing off my ankles. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Well, Emerson was asking for it. I missed it. Uh, so you were gone the last couple of days. I was. Uh, and we had uh, a journalistic firecracker, uh, Bob Costantini, that, in your place. He, he is. He is all sparks. He's. He really is. Um, all right, so God, I have a list of. He like, is a great, great guy. I, I, I have no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. We love Bob. We really do. But it's just here's the great thing, and I don't mean this. I don't mean this in a snarky way because this does seem like the sort of thing that your mom says to you when one child is clearly either much smarter or dumber than the others. And your mom says, well, I love you all equally in different ways. And that's never true. It's because one of the kids was born, you know, with like half a brain, you know, or, you know, or one of the other kids is already taking, a, you know, advanced placement classes in like second grade. And mom has to make all the kids feel special. I don't mean it like that. It's just... This, you know, all the CNN correspondents really are fantastic, but all in your own way. Um, That's true. We are we are a bit of a motley crew. It is true. And I, for example, just as a brief side note, that we'll plunge kind of on into this. I was talking to um, to Roop yesterday because he is in. Um, uh, uh, Roop is in Las Vegas covering the OJ thing. And he came on yesterday and I said, Hey, CNN radio correspondent James Roop, how are you, sir? And the first words out of Roop's mouth on the air were, I just want to slip my wrist right now. I mean, so there you go. It's a thing you don't hear all that often. All right. It's your, you know, I mean, Jim Roop and I are going to be um, together at the, at the debate next week in Las Vegas. And, oh, yeah, that's right. So that's, I am pretty excited about that. That's Now, have you spent a lot of time with Jim Roop in the past? No, you have spent infinitely more time with him than I have. In fact, uh, I've only been in two phone conversations where he was, you know, conference calls with him. And, I, I've, you know, I've, I've uh, instant messaged him a couple times uh, some snarky things about work. But uh, other than that, I really have, have hardly ever talked to him. All right, so it's it's definitely going to be a time to remember. You want to, uh, and if I were you, you are really our glue, Rick Emerson. You I, are the glue between me and, and Jim Roop. I'm sort of the, uh, I'm the I'm the semi permeable membrane uh, that separates and yet bonds the two of you. Oh, nice reference. Yes. Uh, all right, so I don't even really know what we're talking about here. Uh, it's it a whole a whole pile of things. So first of all, uh, Michael yeah. Michael Mukasey, who's uh, the Bush's pick to be the yep. next Attorney General, so it, confirmed, but again, it just sort of. It, I don't know whether it's because it's of night, practically. other things happening or whether it's just that people in America are not that invested in who the next attorney general is, but it did sort of happen without a lot of fanfare. It was just sort of uh, under the radar. In fact, we think it's possible that at this minute he's being sworn in. Uh, sometime in the next hour we think he's going to be sworn in, but it's going to be without any pomp, without any circumstance. It's going to be a very quick ceremony. In fact, I need to pull up who it is that's swearing him in. Uh, I think it's, it ends up being the sort of assistant attorney general for administration. You know, well, that's really exciting. Really not, uh, not really the, the top dog there, uh, but that's because there are so many empty positions at the Justice Department that that's the go-to person when you're swearing in the new boss. That, so they're they're doing that in the next hour. They'll have a big you know public ceremony next week, but they need to get this guy in. And you're right, there hasn't been a lot of uh, much to do about this. This is just sort of like being the ninth guy to orbit the Earth. I mean, just, you know what I mean? It's just everybody kind of has Yuri Gagarin, and then after that, it's just a just a whole assemblage of people who no one can really remember. And then if this guy is orbiting the Earth when the spaceship is really about to fall apart. So he's getting <laughs> he's, no glory and a tough job. He's the last guy on Skylab before it hits Australia. 
Uh, all right. And so we've also got this. The, the House it says here, the House plans to vote as early as next week mm-hmm. on a $50 billion war spending bill that would require President Bush to begin withdrawing troops. Blah, blah, blah. So uh, before I just get all emotionally invested in this, is this yet going to be another ultimately failed and impotent attempt by the Democrats to do something which then falls apart? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> done and done. Done and done. But can I have you? My my uh, favorite guess this week is fifty billion. How long do you think that funds Iraq and Afghanistan? Um, boy, I should know the answer to this. Fifty billion. How it's long does that fund billion dollars. Iraq and if Afghanistan? Afghanistan. That's money for both. I will say seventy-five days. Ah. Uh. Four months. Okay, well, okay. I was trying you were to. were a little on the short side. A little on the short side. I'm sorry. I guess I'm not really. Uh, I don't that, appreciate our government's ability to stretch a penny. Now because now the president actually probably could spend. People at this point know the war is so expensive. I think they can't really even conceive of it. So now if the president does spend like a trillion dollars, they'll be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, we're, we're just. It just doesn't matter. It's we're, just, we're so desensitized. It's bad. It's a real problem. I mean, it's 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 so unbelievably expensive. Fifty billion dollars for four months, and that's the Democrats' game here. Is they're going to try and fund the war in little spurts so that they can keep coming back to it. You know, they'll probably pass this bill, uh, but it will be vetoed again, just like you said. I can't even fathom how much money that is. Fifty billion is. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is fifty thousand million. Fifty thousand million. Uh, yes, that's right. I mean, that really is mind-boggling. That's right. Fifty thousand. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I mean, what am I going to do? I, uh, you know, it's uh, this. I, I have there's, there's zero things I can do about that at this point. I it, c- a couple brief things, and this is just sort of some detritus that's been sort of floating around in my head because you've been gone for a couple of days. A uh, this is, we've really missed the window on this, but you know, you saw that Colbert is out, uh, and I don't know how. To One think. of my favorite CNN moments: Tony Harris uh, in in revealing, in breaking the story, said uh, Stephen Colbert <laughs> <laughs> taken off the yeah. That's like we have the soundbite of Avril Lavigne talking about David Bowie. Oh, no, no. One of our favorite things. So that is done, uh, which you got to know in some weird way that Democrats, I mean, I think if the Democrats were really smart, which they are largely not, they would have done everything possible to keep him in the race mm-hmm. to keep people from paying attention to how much they really don't like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Just to sort of draw the attention away from her, you know, and then at the last minute stick her out where she can win. But, you know, just, you know, just because she is so, so much the presumptive nominee and victor, in my opinion, just keep him out there as just sort of a uh, sort of a flack, you know, just to sort of draw the fire. You no, know, it was the Obama people who were really worried and others. But Obama folks felt like uh, your your warm, fuzzy, funny voters uh, who might go for Obama would might vote for Colbert. What a strange world we're living in at this point. <laughs> um, and. Uh, finally, boy, and this is just a thing that I'm not the only one who cares about it, obviously, but just one of those things that is really just political wankery. It's just, I was sitting there watching Anderson Cooper the other night when Pat Robertson appears on my screen with the world's worst comb over, by the way. I mean, that guy's making some yeah. money. You'd think he could afford hair at this point. No. Uh, Pat Robertson appears on my screen endorsing Rudy Giuliani, and at that moment, I just felt the universe reduce itself to a conflicted singularity. <laughs> I mean, Pat Robertson is putting his arm around a thrice-married, pro-gay rights, pro-choice adulterer and saying, this is my guy. And and Mitt Romney, I think, has been in a hotel room just crying and rocking back and forth <laughs> ever since 
that moment, what is it all for? And how telling was this, by the way, that Sam Brownback was throwing, uh, Sam Brownback was throwing like his mighty, you know, .001% support behind John McCain. And this was the most telling moment of the, of the week, though. When Sam Brownback was, he, yes. he was on television endorsing McCain, and he used this phrase. He said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something very similar to, this is the candidate who will, you know, who will lead us to victory over Hillary Clinton. I mean, oh wow! How about it? That just boils it all down. That shows you what they're afraid of and and what the what they're you they, know. I mean, you can. They've all. You're right. You're right. That's probably the most uh, you know glaring statement. But they, you know, they're all they're all talking like it, like Hillary's going to be the woman. But you know, they're they're it's it's definitely not a done deal. Her numbers are starting to dip. Of course, you know, when you've got a 30 point lead and you lose nine points. You're still okay. Yeah, really. You're not in bad shape. Uh, the story I want to call to your attention, I've found out that the Senate has now decided, uh, actually it's just two senators that made this decision, but they have this power. They have now, the Senate has now decided to stop selling cigarettes in its convenience stores inside the Capitol. Really? And the reason that's a big deal for smokers here uh, is because there's no tax charged inside the Capitol. So there actually is, from what I'm told now, I need to go down there in the next hour, that there's actually a run on cigarettes. <laughs> Please get me a picture of that. Isn't that great? And so, but they have until January first. But people are still stocking up on the cigarettes that you can buy in our nation's capital. Lined up like uh, lined up like customers outside the Bedford Falls Bank. (laughs) All right, Uh, they have to to buy their cigarettes like commoners from now on. All right, big plans for your weekend. Um, but, uh, you know, my brother's boyfriend is turning uh, 50, so he's coming up in search of the best crab cake. It's sort of a bizarre story. Excellent. Well, and, there you uh, go. Maryland is sort of crab cake. That is the crab cake nexus, the fulcrum upon which the exactly seafood it. world turns. They're in the search of uh, the best crab cakes, yes. It's, uh, not, it's not White Castle, but it's, it's their White Castle. <laughs> Excellent. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, we will have speaks with you very soon. Always a pleasure, my You friend. guys, too. Take care. All right. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to get her to Portland one of I these days. Her. Oh no, it's uh, we. I mean, no, that's 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 a given. Yeah, we got to do that at some point. All right, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh, I guess in a moment we'll be talking to what Steve Kastenbaum, Rachel McGrath, Rachel McGrath. Oh, she's not probably calling back though, because that she tried to buzz in and it just sort of rang. Although you know we're still, it's just now eleven fifty, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just now. Okay, there she is. So all right, let's just be quiet so we don't make her angry. You wouldn't like you Rachel McGrath when she's angry. Lacey Curtin. Let's talk about Lacey. Let's talk about Lacey Curtin. Good porn name. Feces. Staring at the, staring at the phone. She's like, she's she's like sort of an she's like an intimidating school marm kind of. She is kind of scary. You get the feeling that you know that she wouldn't be averse to like breaking a yardstick over you. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program uh, from the City of Angels, uh, CNN radio correspondent Rachel McGrath. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I am fantabulous. That's how I am. Really? I really am. That's not an exaggeration. That is actually the scientific word for how I am today. That's uh, because it's Friday, right? Yes, it is. No, it's no. It's just because I always enjoy hearing the mellifluous tones of your voice, Rachel. <laughs> that was a long word. Yes, it is. It's what I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, at a certain point, and this is please don't take this as a personal slight. At a per, at, 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 but at some point, it does seem like. There really is a whole lot of water treading going on with this with this writer strike because the last one went on for like four months or something. So mm-hmm. I think at, there's going to come some event horizon where all of the news reports are going to be like, are they still striking? Yes, they are, Bob. All right, thank you, Terry. And then <laughs> that's it. So are they still striking, Rachel? 
They are still striking. Goodbye. <laughs> no, Thank yes, you. they are still striking. In fact, there's um, several thousand of them, about 3,000, according to the LAPD, um, who are marching right now on the west side of Los Angeles outside the Fox Studios, um, carrying their banners and chanting and uh, uh, actually stopping traffic. They've closed down a couple of, of uh, streets in uh, West L.A., and there they are. They're striking. Is, have they considered the possibility, and again, you know, I, I do understand that in a very, very real way the writers feel they're getting the shaft from the studios, and I can mm -hmm. absolutely see that part of it. Have the writers considered the idea, and I, and I say this based upon my producer Sarah's observation, because they were talking about shoving, what is it, Lost or something back to 2009, Sarah? Yes, Lost in February 2009. And, 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 I, and there was apparently some writer, I don't know if this is true, there's some writer apparently holding a sign. He was a writer from ABC, and he was holding up a sign that said, don't you want to know what's on the island or something like that? It was some, it, but, it, but it was some like a non. It was horribly taunting and mean. Yeah, it was an ill-concealed thumb in the eye of all of the Lost fans out there, who of course have no say in this. It's not like Sarah can vote to end the writers' strike. No, I know, but but they're going to be ones that pay for it. I mean, yeah, they're, they're basically they're trying they're trying to sort of get public. Uh, sympathy on their side. They're trying to say, look, if you're a fan of a particular show and you, you're on tenterhooks, you want to know how it works out, um, you know, if we don't settle this strike, you're not going to know for, for months and months, um, if ever. Uh, so, you know, they're trying to sort of just sort of be a little bit uh, provocative there. I guess. So, I, I mean, I suppose it, I guess the hope is what? That the, the, that the public will somehow rise up and in a clamorous voice demand to the studios that they start paying the writers more? sort of expect them to, to, to um, speak out particularly, but they are asking them to take specific actions. I mean, Ellen Pompeo, the star of Grey's Anatomy, was out on the picket lines yesterday, and, and she was saying, look, you know, the best thing the fans can do if, if they want to support us is to not watch any episodes of our show or any other TV show on the Internet. Because if you go online, you go to, like, NBC's website or ABC's website, whatever, you can see full episodes of, of their, their most popular shows online. And so this is, you know, so this is what the, the strikers and the, and the actors are sort of saying. If you, if you, you know, want to, to sort of force the studios back to the negotiating table, just stop watching things on the Internet. Yes, because that's, that's the way to capture the American heart is to ask them to watch less television somehow. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a thing that's really going to happen. Right, That's right up there with eat a lot of low-calorie foods and exercise three times a day. Well, you know, if we, you know, we could wean everybody off watching television, whether on the TV or the Internet, and go off and do something sort of more productive, then um, we wouldn't need writers, would we? No, I suppose not. All right, big plans for your weekend, Rachel? Big plans for my weekend. Um, it's going to rain in Los Angeles. Can you believe that? It's actually going to be wet and miserable and cold this weekend. Is that, so, a, is that a little bit of passive taunting of we here in Portland, Oregon? Oh, well, yeah, because we don't normally have any rain. And you do, and I think you've sent it to us. And, <laughs> That's, hey, well, and do you know what? Everybody in L.A., you see, they put on a brave face and they smile and go, well, we need rain, you know, because we haven't had any for, like, 25 years. Yeah. But, but that's no consolation when it's the weekend because Monday we're all back at work and the sun's going to shine again. Thank Excellent. You. All right. Enjoy your weekend, Rachel. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Rachel McGrath, ladies and gentlemen. That went well. It went really well. I just – and then at the end, I don't think she was trying to taunt you at all. I think she was actually loosening up and trying to be friendly. And then Maybe. you're like – Ah, whatever. I, I just I don't know how long she's been here, for one thing. I don't know how long she's been in America or how long if she's familiar with the Northwest. So, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Doesn't matter. I yeah, think you knows. asked her once. Maybe. I asked her and then completely forgot about it. So, of course, now I can never ask again. Now I can never clarify that with anything. I've had worse press than a pedophile or a murderer. And I've just...
do nothing but charity for 20 years. She can't really talk that way. Uh, it's got to be some sort of fabricated well, like, she must put be, on. Well, it sounds like she's upset. So, I mean, her vocal cords are probably... You don't sound like that when you're upset. No one does. People get high-pitched when they're upset. Really? I've had worse press than a pedophile or... You know the worst? The, here's the real downside of this is it's making the word pedophile hilarious to us. It's just going to be some sort of Pavlovian reaction. Although pedophilia is nothing to laugh at. I've had worse press than a pedophile or a murderer. The next time the news says, and tonight a pedophile caught with, you know, that's all we're going to think of. Uh, I guess we should break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley, the uh, Ministry of Truth of the New News Hour. And we've got this, it, it, maybe not the final word in Jenkum, but it it ends flawlessly. Just this next Jenkum report that we've got, which is not from COIN. I'll just tell you this. It's from Fox News, and it's wonderful. You stay there. Back after this. But how? I don't know that we have a release form that covers that. You've got to make them think that they want it. We have some experimental folks that we know. I suppose. For the greater good. For the, for the children. Well, because how will we ever know if it's real? I don't know the answer to that, Sarah. All right. We can save it for the Dornbecker's Radiothon. Really? Inhale Jenkum. For the children. Uh, well, if only Susan Reynolds were here today. She's not. Uh, maybe I'll call her. Maybe, Susan, if you're listening. And she I, takes one day off a year, and you, we need to pester her. It's the Jenkum day. No, she's out. Uh, they're doing a charity thing today. She's out there doing that. So uh, maybe I'll try to track her down later. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up. i got this fantastic Jenkum story from Fox News. Really always the home of quality broadcasting. Uh, and... Uh, there's now a gigantic picture of Tim Riley in the studio. I don't know what to do with it. This, can I pick this up? Sure you can. That thing right. is huge. It's, this is from uh, the, the good folks at Vanish Twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Crump, they did the Horns Across the Hawthorne photo. They did the Rockfest photos. That's this beautiful is beautiful. Framed. Well, first, is. well, first of all, let me just say, at all, with Thank all you, sincerity, Jason. it's a beautiful photograph. I mean, it's one of the best oh, pictures of you ever taken. It's kind of creepy. It is sort of creepy. It's like half of Tim's face, and it's sort of an Orwellian. But, and the frame, though, is amazing. I mean, can you flip a, it? Yeah, it's a beautiful photograph, and it's very well done. But the thing is, like, where does one hang a giant picture of one's own face if you're not me? I mean, the end. I, too, have that dilemma. My friend Pasha, who took the pictures for that Bishop's ad campaign, gave me a giant picture of myself. Is it the one of you face. topless with your dog? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't hang that in your house. I stuck it on my mantle. I think I'm going to make a makeshift uh, fake shrine and then invite people over and not tell anybody. That's fantastic. And just put up a bunch of, like, pictures of myself. Candles burning around it. And a giant, like, car, like piece of construction paper with my name and macaroni. Bow. I think that we ought to, uh, ought to have Dave Zinn hang this in the lobby. That's what I was thinking. Yes. When people first come in. when Just see how long, it's t- see how long it takes somebody to go, why is that there? And then we'll, you know, and then we'll, we won't give them an answer. We'll just sneer at them and shake our heads and walk away. All right. Well, I'll well thank go, you, Jason. I'll give this to Dave Zinn during the break. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth. He is your new god. He's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oh, I have some very special news here. By special, do you mean retarded? <laughs> No, not at all. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me retract this, this that. This would not fit into that category. <laughs> that was a very poor choice. Please, please forgive me. 
Well, I... Okay. Something that you'd be interested in. And you're sure it's not retarded? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's something that's going to a place that you enjoy. It happens but once a year. It's long and comes out of a forest. Green. Oh, it's the tree of Pioneer Courthouse Square. I kept trying to come up with a pornographic response. It's long and comes out of a forest. And it's going to a place you enjoy. (laughs) Well, that is an accurate description, wouldn't you? Yes, the holiday right. tree, not to be confused with the Christmas tree, because it's we don't mention that word, is uh, coming to, is on its way to Pioneer Courthouse Square. Wait, are they calling it the holiday tree? Yes, it's a holiday tree. Well, that is... Not okay. a Christmas tree. That is stupid. Hanukkah tree, or... What are the Muslims... Uh, Women in mask trees? <laughs> Burka tree. <laughs> um, so, all right, so the... so the Well, I'm going to call it... It comes out of a forest. Uh, so the, they are going to be... So when is it going to Pioneer Courthouse Square? Right now. But today? Yeah. When's it's the lighting? It's on the way. When is the lighting? I, I think you have to wait till Thanksgiving for that. So it's just... Okay. Isn't it traditionally after Thanksgiving? You know, I, as many times I've gone to that thing, I don't actually even know the answer. So, But it's going there today, and then they're going to light it it's uh, the going day after there Thanksgiving. right now. Fantastic. I hope it's right only now. in the way of the streetcar. Oh, yeah. No, the streetcar goes way around that. I like everything today. Can I just say this? Oh, I got I got a streetcar letter too from the person in charge of the streetcar. It's funny how like you're almost an honorary mom today, Sarah, because everything today has to be structured around the baby. It is. It's all around the child. Because your friend is having child. a child. Everything today must be. Well, I don't know. Is the that going to get in the way of seeing come. the baby? Welcome to the next like 18 years of your friendship with Lisa. By the way, oh. I don't know. Uh, I have to stand with the baby. Well, I found out the vintage trolley runs only on weekends, and it's a touristy thing. Yeah, I've only gone on. Oh, once. I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. it's really so quaint. So the streetcar is the Max. Does it look like? No, no, the no. streetcar is a streetcar. No, streetcar. You know, it's like a San Francisco trolley, like Mr. Rogers' trolley mm-hmm. that goes to make believe land. The kind the guy hangs off of in the. Uh, oh, I get to ride on a real trolley. No, you have to sit inside on this one. Oh. You can't hang off the side. No, not on this. We're talking about like a hundred different things. Okay, let's stop. <laughs> You're thinking of going to San Francisco, which you With can. Flowers in my hair. <laughs> There is the bus. There is the Max, which is the big train. There is the streetcar, which is like a small red train. Yeah. Then there is that, which is a trolley, which is like, again, like a decorative sort of old time. Plain, plain, plain. Yeah, like an old, like, again, it looks like a a San Francisco trolley that That only only runs runs on weekends. No one cares about any of this. Uh, I went on that that trolley, though, the streetcar here in the, uh, whatever, in the, in Portland once, and then... But it was like a month before I went to San Francisco, and then of course I could just never look at the one here the same way again because it just looks—it looks—it it just looks silly. So, anyway, so then I'll write this. So you're going on the red streetcar. Okay, the red streetcar. Mm-hmm. Got it. Then I got this letter. So I live a little outside of Fearless Square. I worked downtown and have for almost five years. I can count on one hand the amount of times I paid to ride the Max. Oh boy. I have yet to receive a ticket. Now I've been stopped multiple times, and every time I've been able to talk my way out with only a warning. Uh, for instance, some of the uh, excuses. My HR department had a printing error, so I received. Uh, I haven't received our yearly pass. The machine won't accept my coins, which all these things can happen. Yep. Uh, what do you mean I'm not in Fearless Square? Sorry, <laughs> I just moved here. No habla inglés. And my favorite. I'm totally going to do that one next time. I'm going time. with the no habla inglés. Yeah, uh, that's going to yeah. be my excuse. <laughs> Here's the best one. What are you talking about? I just got on. Oh, that's really good, actually. Yeah. If you claim... So if you just get on, you don't have to pay? Not if you're uh, uh, this person. Uh, Aaron. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Well, the no habla inglés kind of gave it away. Oh. Yeah. Because he uses that as an excuse for everything. Yeah. Anytime Aaron has any sort of a squabble or with anybody, waitress, cop, cab driver, Aaron is, ah, no habla inglés. And like his best, and, and he can pass for several different nationalities. Totally, a well, he, Frenchman. A no, he's no, he's Italian. no, he's he, and he puts on this full-on Frito Bandito accent when he talks to, and he does, you know, no noble white man. I I don't speak English, and the guy's like, well, all right then. He he has that Pacino thing. You're right. Where he yeah, can, he could be cast in any number of character actors. <laughs> he can play without any, makeup. Perfect. Yeah, no, he yeah he can play any number of ethnicities. So you'll never find out who Aaron the Geek is, but he doesn't pay to ride the max. No. no nor should you. No. <laughs> That's the CBS Radio News Department's official position. Meanwhile, a former fifth grade teacher in Hillsborough has been found guilty of stealing her student's jacket and trying to sell it on eBay. Liz Logan was convicted of felony theft. She'll be sentenced November 20th, just in time for Thanksgiving. She's a third grade teacher, and uh, she, her student left her $114 coat in the playground... She denied stealing the jacket and claims police uh, pressured her into confessing. She testified when police came to interview her at school. She they'd already made up their minds that she was guilty, so she confessed. Well, that's easy. Steal, <laughs> stealing coats from poor children at, at, at winter time. Mm -hmm. All right. By the way, we have a, a bucket in there for any employee who wants to donate their coats. There's um, not one coat in there. I'm sorry. What? Where? In, the, in our lunchroom. I there's a bucket of nair. <laughs> there's a bucket full of uh, donate your hair. What are supposed to be coats? And not one person has donated their coat yet. Well, I wear my coats. What are you donating? It's cold out there. Why would I be donating it? Oh, the, I gotta stay warm. The holiday tree has just arrived at Pioneer Courthouse Square. Okay. Breaking news. Fantastic. Wait, hold on. This just in. Uh, well, it's too late. Oh wait. Okay, the holiday tree has arrived. Just in time for the baby. Okay. <laughs> the city of Longview is uh, torn over letting a reported white supremacist group meet at a local art center to set up a new church. The Church of Jesus Christ Christian applied to rent out the McClellan Art Center. Wait, hold on. The Church of Jesus Christ Christian? Yeah. Is that like the Church of Redundant Redundancy? That, that's what it says here. That's the name of their church. The Church of Jesus Christ Christian? Uh-huh. Goddamn people are stupid. All well, right. This is a white supremacist. You know what these people look like. I guess they're not really with the learning. No. And the it, reading. Just into breeding. Yes. People look just like them. <laughs> Lead them and let them go to it, I say. As long as they don't mix with any other groups. <laughs> uh, city council meeting last night addressed the issue, but there was disagreement on whether or not to deny the church a permit based on free speech. According to one website, the Aryan Nations is a political arm of the church, which was founded in Idaho in the 1940s, where all good things come from. On the premise of establishing a white Christian enclave, Long Beach police told the paper they're investigating this group. So, that's a good place for them. Where, where would the church be? Longview. Okay, well, have at it. Also out of Idaho, a southwest Idaho woman accused of setting fire to a mounted bison head at her ex-husband's home is facing arson charges. Under arrest is Ryan Jean Stafford of Meridian. She's charged with third-degree arson. Investigators say uh, Stafford and her former spouse got into an argument at the home. But uh, after he left the home, police say Stafford began throwing objects and then used a lighter to ignite the mounted head. Another person who lives at the home extinguished the flames. A judge has found at bond at $100,000, and she's being held at Ada County Jail. There's no word yet if the, uh, the mounted bison head can be restored. And by the way, apparently now there's a truck delivering the tree, and there's a second truck carrying extra branches that they then staple onto the tree. Yeah, they take the tree apart, then they put it back together again. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Was it not a real tree? Yeah, it is a real tree. But it's easier to transport. 
You can't have branches sticking out in the road, scratching cars all the way down the street. How great would that be? That would be great. That That's what they love to do. Knocking cars and some pedestrians into ditches willy-nilly. Just like just like shoving a pipe cleaner down the road. That's exactly why. That's a happen. great idea. I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. I guess I thought that they lashed the branches in or something, but they just cut them off and stick them back on. Yeah. So it, it, it is... It it's is, like one of those artificial uh, metal trees. Exactly. I was going to say, it, it, it in effect becomes just like the tree I had growing up uh-huh. uh, from Sears. Uh, which is it? It was in a box, and it was just a big green pipe that had holes drilled in it. Yep. And then there were a bunch of basically uh, uh, like green toilet brushes that you would jam into all the holes. My favorite one were the aluminum foil colored ones. Now, yeah. That's Christmas to me. Exactly. The one that bore no, my grandmother had one. This and there was a, a colored light with primary colors that went around. <laughs> Like my, red, blue, and green. My grandmother had a Christmas tree, and then she was not doing this to be sort of like, to, to, in a weird way, to, like now this would almost be sort of tackily hip. Uh, but my grandmother had a tree that was like, it was like, I don't even know if it was foil, but it was like a metal tree made out of, it was pink. Mm-hmm. It was a pink metal Christmas tree. And I don't really know what the logic there was. I think she was just a hick and decided that that was what she needed or whatever. But it was just, you know. But as I've, I've, I've been to a restaurant before that had those things year-round. Uh, it, was, it was called Ted Sizzling Steaks, and I used to have to meet my consultant there so he could come up with more lies. At, <laughs> Ted Sizzling Steaks. Ted Sizzling Steaks in Ventura. It wasn't Ted's of Beverly Hills? No, Ted's Sizzling Steaks. Well, I think that's where that name came from. Really? Because Phil Hendry would have gone there also. And said to be fed more lies by the consultant? Yeah, you know, he really loves me. Next week, Bill's fired. <laughs> That's what um, so, well, if you go to my father's place, uh, there is a, a Christmas tree year-round at my father's place, which I do believe they decorate for the various holidays. I think it's decorated with uh, with crap for Halloween and then with other crap for Christmas. And speaking of which, I got to get my Christmas crap ready. I got to I got to get ready to put it's all this stuff be here up. before you know it. And just to thank you, I just put up my pumpkins a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, no, I'm, well, my house is still festooned with Halloween uh, decorations, so I got to get my uh, got to pull my Martha Stewart Christmas tree out of the basement. So fantastic. No, my gardeners came in and cut everything down to stubs in my yard, so I know it's winter. Is that out? No, no, they've come by. Now, what do you mean? Like your shrubs or whatever? Yeah, my shrubs, my uh, rose bushes, all cut down to nothing, just to make things look a little bit more dismal, so they don't have to come back to <laughs> next year. Just for that, that hint of Scrooge. Yes. All right. So that's that. Uh, this email says, uh, Rick, I, no, I shouldn't read this. It's Rick, I have a Kwanzaa tree. In fact, it's... No, I'm not even going to read it. Oh, we don't even talk about Kwanzaa anymore, do we? No, I don't even know is when Kwanzaa so is. I don't even know when Kwanzaa is. It, it begins on Boxing Day, I believe. See, but we never even figured out what Boxing Day was. Do you remember that whole discussion about Boxing I Day? I we had several, and we determined the cause of that. I don't think so. They have it in Canada and Britain. Yeah. I kept confusing it with Bastille Day. No, that's France. Yeah, I know. I, anyway, I don't know what Kwanzaa... I don't even know when Kwanzaa starts. All I know is that when I was trying to get uh, that uh, that when uh, we were between uh, jobs during the during the year of the unpleasantness during the unpleasantness 2.0, um, I sent Mark Whalen a a Kwanzaa card. So oh, you did. You know, to be a little kooky. So I sent him a card that said Happy Kwanzaa from you know from from the from the staff of the Rick Emerson show. And it was just days later actually that that we uh, that he uh, that he called me. He was like, Why don't we have lunch and talk about that program of yours? So the Kwanzaa card made all the difference. So there you go, aspiring job seekers. The key is to send the decision maker a Kwanzaa card. Here is uh, Tim Riley. So here is the government uh, reminding us that we need them. The FBI has warned that Al-Qaeda may be preparing a series of holiday attacks at U.S. shopping malls in Los Angeles and Chicago. Well, then we have nothing to worry about, so what do we care? 
It doesn't say what mall in L.A. There are several of them to choose from. Well, they can't attack the Galleria anymore. Oh, that's true, what is the What is the preeminent mall for the young people in Los Angeles now? Probably the Beverly Center is still there. Is that where is that where the kids go? Because the Galleria was that was sort of the uh, the cultural nexus of that whole thing, and then now it's gone. Yeah, from uh, Sherman Oaks, and they also uh, they also tore down the mall in Long Beach. Are you going to be blowing your nose into a bad paper towel yes, from the I kitchen have. paper towel dispenser? I have. I have We have tissues over here. You're kidding me. <laughs> no, I have full box. Oh. Now that I've taken the skin off my nose. <laughs> I was going to say that's like the <laughs> most abrasive paper towel ever. I know it. This. <laughs> We've got these weird paper towels in the in the kitchen that spit out. I mean, it's like you expect there to be pieces of wood in that paper towel. I mean, it's like the most abrasive but paper. But at least we have them. No, it's... But so I counted my blessings. Have you that noticed have this? It. Have you ever been in the kitchen nowhere near the paper towel dispenser, and it will begin dispensing paper yes, towels? Yes, it's totally creepy. It's, it's freaky. That technology is either evil or just poorly designed. One of the two. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so a teenage schoolboy was uh, pulled around his classroom on a leash and spanked by a stripper as a birthday surprise blunder. What? What? A teenage schoolboy was pulled around his classroom on a leash and spanked by a stripper after a birthday surprise blunder. The what? student's mother had ordered an agency to give her some surprise on the 16th birthday, and the teacher even agreed to film the prank. But it all went wrong when the unnamed company sent a stripper dressed as a policewoman instead of a gorillagram, which they describe as a booking Arab. One witness told reporters... How old is the she, boy? 16. Okay. She asked the boy to stand up, which he did. And told him he was a very naughty boy. <laughs> oh, oh. Then she put on some Britney Spears music and got out a collar and a leash from her bag and told him to put them on. After walking the boy around the classroom and spanking him with a whip. What? Where was the teacher? You the the he just the put on a collar. turned even more blue. She took off some clothes, and, and this is taking place in the classroom, until she was down to her bra and panties. She what? put on some cream. Put it on her, <laughs> what? No. She put it on her buttocks and told him to rub it in. Uh, at this point, the shock teacher, who was what? not told what the surprise was, Wait, called for an end to this program. <laughs> Hold on. At this point, the teacher was shocked. At this point, the teacher was Not shocked. when the stripper appeared. You not know. when she told him he'd been a bad boy. No, not when she put a leash and collar on him. Not when she stripped down to her, quote, bra and panties. Not when she... <laughs> what, what, what kind of school was this? Apparently, a public school? Yes. A public what state school. was this in? Uh, this is in uh, Britain. Well, they are a different kind of people over there. So there. she, this is when she took off some of her clothes, and she was down to her brown panties. She pulled out some cream, put it on her buttocks, and told him to rub it in. At that time, her brown the teacher, her, her bra, oh. bra and panties. Well, they might have please fallen. rubbed this cream into my buttocks. Uh-huh. And that's when she called for an end of it. They're investigating how the incident happened. <laughs> Do you? There's a Nobody merciful, has been suspended, and police are not involved. There is a merciful God. That's how it happened. Um, so do you suppose if you're a 16-year-old boy, I wonder if that is either the best or worst birthday ever. Because I, as Nick Twist will tell you, you know, as a teenage boy, you are, I don't know, I think as a 16-year-old boy, like your own sexuality is a source of morbid but horrifying fascination to you. You are, you are both you are both fixated on and revolted by, in a weird sense, your own sexual development is because, as, as Nick Twisp said, your your nether regions become a gaudy Las Vegas of the body. Uh, so it, it, just the idea. Well, okay. Well, I have to tell you this then: that when I was in school, first of all, that did not happen to me. But 
I have two stories sort of like that. that it didn't happen to me either. No, when I was... Well, but in I, retrospect, some of the boys were invited back to the brothers' residence. I was not among them. <laughs> you have you a woman your, now. <laughs> your resentment about this before. You just weren't pretty enough, Jim. <laughs> no, I wasn't anybody's type, unfortunately. Maybe if you'd had some cream. Oh, that too. Uh, or, you know. Anyway. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So when I was in, um, God, probably fourth grade... But you just, the things that you could never do now. When I don't I was, remember. For, what's the difference between fourth grade and third grade and it, fifth grade? It, I don't me- remember the difference between any of those. Guys. It all does blend together, doesn't it? Yeah. Actually, the only way in my head that I can tell the different grades apart is I can remember the teachers, uh, and that's it. Like I don't really, I can't really remember the classrooms. I can't really, and, and because I went to a private school, it was basically the same crop of idiot kids every year. So I, I can't remember like the, what I learned that was different from one year or another. The only way I can really tell it apart is who my teacher was. Uh, that's it. But I do remember it being in, I think it must have been, fourth or fifth grade. My friend Brian had his birthday, and you could never do this now. His mom, she wasn't a stripper, but the mom sent a singing birthday song, you know, birthday gram or whatever, to the classroom. And this is at a Catholic school. And again, she didn't strip, but she was dressed very provocatively. She did have a very, very low cut, very not almost, you know, almost not their shirt. And she gave him, like, a kiss on the head, and she sang, like, some weird Betty Boop-type song. And, and it was all... And even then, it, in fifth grade, it made me feel all weird. I think everybody was really creeped out by it, frankly. Um, that is also, like, uh, a friend of mine who graduated from high school. He was still 17, though. But when he graduated from high school, his parents so were at his house. And he was a couple years ahead of me, so I was still only, like, 15, 16. He graduated from high school. He's still only 17. There's a graduation party at his home. Now, this is not like for just him and his friends. Like, the parents are there. Grandparents are there. It is a family party for his high school graduation. And they had a, their family was a little bit different because the dad hired a stripper. And I remember being at the kid's house. I'm like 16, 15. He is 17, has just graduated. His aunts, his uncles, his sisters, his mom is there. His dad is there. And halfway through the party, why, hello, it's a stripper. And a stripper comes in and, like, puts him in a chair and... The, grinds on it for half an hour, and we're all sitting there looking at the carpet wishing we were dead. It's just the weirdest... This this whole country is just very strange. Yes. Uh, Rick. The, the closest I got to a stripper was seeing Chesty Morgan at a drive-in. The Chesty Morgan? No, a movie of Chesty Morgan. I oh, I that. thought like she was working the drive through <laughs> like a Carl's Jr. No, she did not come to New Hampshire at any point okay. that I knew. I was just going to say, what, where is she? Was she working at the, at the Tasty Freeze? Uh, Chesty Morgan, they showed, like, was it a blue film? Kind of. At a drive-in in New Hampshire? Yeah. I didn't think that you could see her movies. I thought that those were like peep show films. Only. As a matter of fact, in New Hampshire, in a small town close to mine, there was an X-rated drive-in theater owned by the police chief. Really? And he would, and he would come on in between and do coming attractions. <laughs> so to speak. Yes. Uh, the uh, How odd that there would be an X-rated drive-in. It doesn't. Well, that would certainly not be legal now. Because you could, you know, you just sit on your roof and look over. It was owned by the police chief. Well, I guess what are you going to do if it's owned by the police chief? Mm -hmm. On X-rated drive-through. You know what? I keep trying to, I keep trying to push for this, and maybe uh, next year we'll do it. I keep trying to push, you know, because Court and Fapo did the Midnight Movie. I keep trying to push for some sort of joint thing where our show and their show, and we are going to be doing something with Court and Fatboy here later on this month. You can listen for details. But um, I keep pushing for during the summer that us and Court and Fatboy do a drive-in movie night. Uh Oh. But the thing is, the only drive-in I know of is there's one in Gresham. There's one in uh, Newburgh, too. There's one in Bremerton. Oh, that's too far. Yeah, well, where's Newburgh? How far away is that? Newburgh? You keep going down I-5 and you come to Newburgh. Or, or, How or far is that, Or keep going down uh, 
Yeah, the 15 or 20 miles from here? Yeah, the, you I know what? Was farther than I've that. driven by one out on, um, if you're driving out on Powell, and right. you're heading way out toward Rock and Roll Pizza. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. And oh, it's that's still a, open? No, it's, that's a flea market. That's where I bought my dog. But I think the... You bought your dog at a Gresham flea market? Yes. So to speak? Uh-huh. Uh, okay. It took some cleaning up. <laughs> as as does that city in general. Well, but... Uh, but I've been carrying something home in a car smell like urine. It's... It's closed, but I think the screen is still there. So I wonder mm. if it's if it would still be theoretically operative. Oh, that's true. We we totally ought to that. Well, we have a long time to think about that. We ought to be pushing for that for next year. Rick, I've decided to sell Genkum kits on eBay before it's banned in all 50 states. It will include instructions on how to make Genkum balloons and a jar so fecal matter can be collected. Best show ever. This is my retirement plan, by the way. Okay. Um. Well, I have this Genkum store, but we should probably do it around the corner. What do you think? I got uh, some Jenkins recipes here, too, for, just for the holidays. Jenkins cake. Uh, all right. Oh, the Burnside Bridge is going to be closed tonight through Monday. Of course. They're going to install parts to the east lift and the lift span. Sure. This is a $9 million project. <laughs> Imagine the things this city could do with $9 million. I mean, uh, they just right. keep closing this thing down. They never finish with it. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. We should take these calls. These are probably driving calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, uh, X-rated movies and drive-ins. They used to do that here. Uh, which, uh, where at, sir? Uh, the now it's a walk-in theater out on 162nd and Division. Oh yeah, I know that, that theater. To... Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, the drive the drive-in that used to be. That's there. a Regal Theater, though, isn't it? Uh, Am I thinking of the same place? Because we had a listener call and he's like, "Hey, come see this." Because they have, because they have, um. It's a regal theater, but the reason it stands out is because they have those little remote control things you can use to tell the manager of somebody in the theater is being a jackhole. Uh, that well, I, I don't know. I haven't been in there for oh shoot a number of months. All right, well whatever. But, but it was but it was but it was an adult used, drive-in. It used to well it used to be a drive-in of everything, and it had adult films in it. I mean, I remember going and parking in the gas station base beside it and watching Fritz <laughs> the Cat over the fence. Fritz the Cat, excellent. <laughs> Well done. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more here, and then we'll break. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey. Hey, uh, that, that uh, drive-in sign that Sarah saw on Powell, like 102nd Powell. Yeah. That drive-in is not – the sign, I think, is still up because it's like a historical, like a, a monument type of thing because there's no reason to have it there. But it's actually – the whole lot is owned by Fantastic the Carney people, and that's where they store their rides. Fantastic the Carney people. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, it's too bad. I used to. My dad took me there right before it closed down. Well, that's uh, it's also because that's the one I was talking about too. So I guess that we're out on the. I guess we're out in the cold when it comes to trying to do a drive-in thing. Then. And I, I you might want to get another caller in on this. I heard that the 99W drive-in out in Newburgh. I heard it closed, but I I don't know for sure. But well, there's got to be some website that will tell you which drive-ins yeah, in America are still open. At home. I'll, I'll check that out. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic, the Carney people. What a sad and glorious phrase that is. All right. Uh, shall we break? Okay. Uh, coming up later on, Tim's just lapsed into silence. Are you researching uh, Chesty Morgan? Uh, driving movie theaters. All right. Hey, when we come back, we got a great suicide around the corner. It's from Pontiac, Michigan. Uh, what else? Oh, we got this great Jenkins story. Probably the last and best Jenkins story we're going to run. If only because it contains a couple of really, really wonderful lines in it. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Here's David Allen Coe. She got run over by a damn.
By the way, the Tim Riley photo is going up in the lobby as we speak. Is it seriously? Dave Sims oh, taking awesome. down the sponge. Like there's a gold record for that band Sponge or whatever. As I left, Dave's like, goodbye, Sponge. And he's taking them off the wall. So how fickle the, the finger of fate. So you go, Jason Crump, you said your work would never be exhibited. Did I'll he say that? Work. Well, he might have thought It's that. here in the studio and also upstairs. But this is a prime location. Everybody who comes in to pick up a prize for moving 1075 will see the glowering face of Tim Riley. Oh, the glowering eyeball. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so we got these phone calls. I got this Jenkin thing. So Suicide, that, that Tim Riley. is empty. Oh, really? Oh, so we, well, somewhat level, we've got the one at 99W. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. This is Gary. What's up? Uh, the 99W drive-in is still going. Yeah, Friday and Saturday only, it says here. It, it, it still goes, and it also has a walk-in theater also. What uh, What is playing there now, Tim? The game uh, plan in Elizabeth, the Golden Age. The, what's the other one? Elizabeth, the Golden Elizabeth Age. The first one? The game plan. What is the game plan? I don't know. Never don't heard know. of it. The game plan is the one with Rock. Oh, oh, that's where he's like, uh... A football that, player. Yeah, he's the, he like teaches a bunch of children how to care about something. <laughs> All right, excellent. Thank you, my friend. Not a problem. All right, there you go. We should totally go to that. I mean, you know, when something good is playing. Wait, a, a movie with The Rock and then that Elizabeth, The Golden Age movie. What a weird pairing that is. Yeah. Well, imagine what kind of double feature. That it does. Yeah, I'm here for that Rock movie and the Cate Blanchett the Queen film. All right. Uh, let's get one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, Sarah, Tim. Good to be on. Hello. Hi. Hello. What's up? Well, you mentioned you're going to have uh, an interesting suicide story, and I wondered if you got the song I wrote, uh, the MP3, about funny ways to kill yourself. What an odd show this is. No, I don't believe I did. Did you send it to Rick at Rick Everson? I did, yeah, and I know you uh, often miss... Uh, sometimes miss attachments... Well, attachments don't come through sometimes. Sometimes it drops attachments. Oh, when I sent you that other song, I think I sent it on uh, CD to directly to the studio. just burned a copy Yeah, that it, might so. be the better way to do it, um, uh, it just because, again, yeah, the Rick at Rick Everson, for some reason, just attachments, it is sort of hit and miss whether I get attachments if that is. Drop it, email it, do me a favor, email it to me again sometime in the near future, and I'll be sure to keep an eye out for it, uh, and if I don't get it, I'll let you know when we can figure something else out. Okay, thanks. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Bless you. Thank you. All right. Everybody's got allergy problems here. Yeah, have you considered that maybe you are allergic to Tim? <laughs> we may be allergic to each other. <laughs> this is like that Brady Bunch where Peter's allergic to Tiger or whatever the dog is or something. So it's just because it, you're fine until until about 11 o'clock. <laughs> then the eyes <laughs> and the nose all start to go haywire. And then it does go away after the show. Right. Hmm. Here's Tim Riley. So let's think about uh, Florida State Representative Bob Allen for a moment, shall we? I'm sorry, the representative from where? Florida. Oh, Andy! Damn it! Oh, that was on me. I choked. <laughs> you see, he wasn't searching for sex when he entered a public restroom five times in an hour. He just needed to relieve himself because he drank too much iced tea and he has small bowel. Well, bladder. Bladder. <laughs> Unfortunately, nature does take its course, said his lawyer. Uh, police and prosecutors contend Allen unshaven and sloppily dressed, peered over a stall door in the men's room. Oh, that's what you want to say. An undercover see. police officer was drying his hands, then joined the officer inside. After a brief exchange, police said the lawmaker agreed to pay $20 to perform a... Wait, uh, I don't understand. He, okay, let's back. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. So he, unshaven and sloppily dressed, mm -hmm. peered over a stall into yeah. where? Let's see here. Peered over a stall door in the men's room where undercover police officer Danny Cavanaugh was drying his hands. How do you dry your hands in a stall? That is a good question, isn't it? And then joined the officer inside. Okay, this story doesn't make any sense on two levels. A, how do you dry your hands in a stall? And B, how do you join an officer in the stall unless okay, here, here's with the door shut? 
Uh, let's see. His lawyer said uh, somebody, Alan entered the men's room more than once because he consumed a lot of iced tea. Then the lawyer denied Alan ever looked over the stall door where Kavanaugh was drying his hands or that he went inside. So he apparently was drying his hands inside a stall. And how do you get in there unless the guy has the door swinging like wide open? I don't know. Uh, so that, that, this story seems a little fishy to me. Not that I don't. Not that I doubt that the GOP lawmaker was trying mm-hmm. to obtain gay sex in a bathroom. Clearly, he was. But I mean, I just it seems like the cop. That's a yeah. Something seems a little strange about that. And let's see here. Alan appeared confident throughout the trial, frequently smiling, and mouth, "I love you" to his wife Beth. <laughs> sure, it was to her. Sure, it wasn't to like the guy like two rows back. And we should be in terms of full disclosure. I, I have to say, I used the bathroom like fifty times during the course of the show. During the course of this four-hour program, I would imagine I used the bathroom a good ten times, probably. I mean, at a bare minimum. Sarah and I both. And it's just a sad fact of it. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll play this Jenkins story. We have a new, a new Jenkins story? That's the thing is, I do. I want to get it. Yeah, and I, I figure, what better place in the news hour? I have this 90-second news thing, this Jenkins thing from Fox oh. that, that I want to do. So let's do a, one more trip in there, then we'll do this, and then we'll resume. The death of that 16-year-old in a head-on collision in I-5 near Woodland is a suicide. Uh, the cops found Andrew Lee Skidmore of Dallas, Oregon, going north in the southbound lane. He died with his 1970 dart slammed into a semi near a woodland. College County Coroner said that Skidmore was not wearing a seatbelt, and there weren't any skid marks to show he tried to break or swerve. Is the is the driver of the truck hurt? Is he is he Let's dead? See, he's treated for minor injuries. Okay. No, he's fine. So it's just the one guy who caused the whole thing to just A 16-year-old. Head on, applied directly to dashboard. Mm-hmm. So... All right. Uh, he's, he's not like one of the better kids who just stays home and does junk them. No. Speaking of, good segue. Look at you. All right. So we had, the, so we had the coin thing. Uh, we had the coin thing last night. Uh, the uh, the story from Coin. How sexy is too sexy? That was their follow up. Uh, so this though, I mean, the, the speed. I am fascinated. This is like tracking the spread of a virus or something. I am fascinated with how this started. Like, four days ago, none of us had ever heard of this. Then it's one memo in the sheriff's office. Then it was that news, that W-I-N-K in Florida. Mm -hmm. Then it was W-S-B-T, I believe, in South Carolina yesterday. Then it was COIN. Now we've got the best of all. So COIN did theirs. This, though, is from Fox News. So you know know it's got to be good. Now... The Fox News one, this is about a minute and a half. Listen, it all leads up to like the best money shot at the end. The money phrase that he ends this story with. And again, this is like that idiot newscasteress from WSBT, what's her name, Kelly Cheatham, who she was doing the whole, um, she was just using those phrases that you don't ever think you're going to hear. Like in a real newscast. Let me just just a little bit of, of what she was saying. She had that thing about the price you pay for inhaling feces. You young adult males pigeons. They said depending on what they've taken. Pressure lowering your heart so that you stop breathing. And the long-term effects are worse. Right here. They include brain damage, stroke-like symptoms, even destroying bone marrow to the point of developing leukemia. All that from getting high off human feces and urine. I mean... You don't think you're going to go to work. so ridiculous. Yeah, and you don't think that that's something that they're going to be like, you know, like 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 telling you to say that in the... Uh, I think don't that's going to win Edward R. Murrow Award. Probably not. Don't let your kids go to bed when they come home at night until you've smelled their breath. 
So anyway, so here's the best, though. This is even better. This is Fox News. Be listening to how he ends this one. There is a shocking heads up for parents about teen drug use. One Florida Sheriff's Department warns there's a new way for your kids to get high. And as Fox City's Jack Miller reports, they're using raw sewage. <laughs> Of course it's Fox. The Washington Post, the Drudge Report, and Inside Edition are all talking about Jankum. It could be uh, toxic and, and harming. The bulletin describes Jankum as gas produced by raw sewage that's allowed to ferment. Pictures show young people who appear to be breathing in Jankum. Wait, who does that guy sound? Is it Mr. Garrison? Who? Ooh, is that who that again. sounds like? Okay, let me just let's see, Jankum. I'm losing all of these. I've got so many of these now. I've got a whole get a whole folder for these. All right. Here is a to get high. And as Fox City's Jack Who's Miller... the, um, it's the, okay, Mr. Is, yeah, is it Mr. Mackey or is it Mr. Garrison? Mr. Mackey. I don't know. Right. I, I think it's Mr. Garrison. Raw sewage. The Washington Post, the Drudge <laughs> Report, and Inside Edition okay. are all talking about Jenkum. They could be, uh toxic and, and harming. The bulletin describes Jankum as gas produced by raw sewage that's allowed to ferment. Mr. Pictures Clay. show young people who appear to be breathing in Jankum. This confidential internal document from Collier County was leaked by someone inside the sheriff's office. Deputies say it's no big deal because all the information in the memo is available on the internet and there wasn't enough concern to warn parents about Jankum when the memo was written back in September. We had no known information no, no information. Collier County. But he says what is known is that students are talking about it and parents need to be aware. Sewage is toxic and it's handled uh, as a biohazard. Okay, now we're. There's a 911 call about it. We're, we're, we're approaching it's a pledge drive. Yeah. <laughs> Jenkum, you win a Jenkum tote bag. We're approaching the, the golden Jenkum phrase here. We weren't able to confirm tonight if Jankum is a problem for law enforcement in our area. Cops are calling it Jankum or the human waste drug, but parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butthash. Jack Miller. <laughs> and at this point, it's not clear if Jankum can even be considered to be illegal. How great is that? That's the best thing I've ever let you that parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term butt hash. Oh my god, that's so awful. <laughs> One more time. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term butt hash. <sighs> that's our end of show clip right there, just in case yeah. you're wondering. I love this job. Hi, Timmy. Here's Tim Riley. Well, I was looking at some of these recipes that the kids have been sending in for this. Butthash brownies. Uh, they have recipes? Say, well, I guess you don't know, like, what and uh, ratio to what. I can't believe it actually works. Uh, it's it's great, but a terrible taste. You don't want to make it add Kool-Aid powder to the mix. Ugh. You ain't supposed to drink it. Anyone who tries this is a tard. That's right, tard. <laughs> you ain't even smart enough, you idiots. Let's see. I Where is this from? Is this a chat, a Jenkin chat Jenkin, room? Uh, Jenkin recipes. Okay. So they uh, exchange recipes for this online, these kids do. Oh, one of them calls for ground beef 30% lean. To be <laughs> to this. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. One of the recipes calls for this ground beef, pineapple juice, lemon Gross. juice. Tim! Well, Tim's a vegan. He doesn't care. Mix with fecal matter and place in a cooking pot. <laughs> Put stove on high for five minutes while slowly stirring in the juice and urine. 
Remove from birth immediately. Pour into an airtight container. Attach a balloon and device to capture gas. You too can share your adventures in Jenkum. All that ahead. It's next door with Rachel Ray, ladies and gentlemen. Rick, I believe that well, uh, this email says, with all the hype about huffing your own feces, we need to start a rumor about a new offshoot of his drug craze. Possibly it could be called Sourum, and it would involve eating three pounds of green apples to get intoxicated. As described in the media, the high would be a euphoric feeling of release, followed by a floating sensation with hallucinogenic visions of supernatural beings. And reminds you of times past in a magical way. Yes. Alternate phrases for parents to know would include blasting the green, chasing the lizard, horse apples, or simply squirt. There you go. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. A couple months ago, uh, we were talking about the uh, mascots for uh, the poison. I think Tim and I were talking about the... Uh, about Mr. Uh, Mr. Yuck? Right. We could call Janky the... the uh, Mr. Janky says, "Don't don't ferment me, please." Mr. Janky the turd says, "Don't ferment me." <laughs> I'm bringing it back. That's gold. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. <laughs> Mr. Janky the turd. Don't ferment me. Says, don't ferment me. <laughs> Okay, seriously? <laughs> Wait, let's have a contest. Contest. Now. now. Right now. We need a logo. We need a MySpace picture right now. We need a logo of Mr. Janky the Turd <laughs> saying, Hi, kids. Don't the, ferment me. With a big frown. <laughs> um, you, send that to, uh, you send that to Rick at Rick Emerson. Of course, I said this right after I think about the attachments being dropped. Um, send that to Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Hopefully, I'll get those. And uh, at, the, at the sole discretion of we here on the Rick Emerson program, uh, we'll uh, we will award something from the AM 970 uh, crap stack uh, to the person who creates the Mister Jenky the Turd logo. <laughs> don't, don't ferment me. <laughs> please also, if you can, please somewhere in the logo include either the the name of the show or the station or the website or something because you and I all we all know here that logo will end up everywhere like by the end of the weekend. And becomes property of CBS to Columbia Broadcasting. Yes, all thank you. Well <laughs> done, subsidiaries. Thank you. All entries become property of CBS Radio Portland. Yeah, please try to identify either the show, the station, or the website or something in the logo because that's going to end up on everybody's page within like two days. Janky the turd. <laughs> Don't ferment me. Maybe we can have a poster uh, ready for when they light up the Christmas tree in Pioneer Courthouse Square. <laughs> we should totally go out like a Jenkum awareness pamphlets. <gasps> Jesus. Attention parents, parents. Need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. That guy sounds kind of like Dr. Phil. Uh, well, God. I'm sure we haven't heard the last of this. No. No, of course not. Mixed with ground beef. Drain away fecal boilings. Oh. <laughs> I like how that's too much for you. The yeah, idea the of a guy huffing cooking it. No, when you're adding pineapple to it, that's just wrong, though. And gently stir in the urine. Can we talk gently, about this? Gently stir in the urine. <laughs> this is a news story. Put on stove at, at high heat for five minutes. Do I have to remind While you, slowly Sarah? stirring in the urine. <laughs> this is a news story. Well, what appears to be an urban legend for now is sweeping the Internet by storm. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. This is a news story by definition. 
This is the news hour on a news talk radio station. Sure, it's fine. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> you should have Tim's microphone is off, unfortunately. <laughs> It's, it's true, it's a great high, but it tastes terrible. Eat a lot of mint and add Kool-Aid butter to the mix. <laughs> How you doing, Tim? Fine, thank you. Hi, <laughs> uh, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. This is real? This is not just fact? Where have you been for the last three days? I thought this was like something in the way of a, a massive effort to deceive us here in Portland, but you guys are actually being serious? Dude, did oh, you yeah. watch coin television last night? I guess I don't watch enough idiot box because this this is crazy. I Hold mean, grass that hard to get these days? Hold on, just to... Oh, what appears to be an urban legend for now is sweeping the internet by storm. Now, some people say this is just a myth, but others argue it's real and it produces... And also this. There is a shocking heads up for parents about teen drug use. One Florida Sheriff's Department warns there's a new way for your kids to get high. And as Fox City's Jack Miller reports, they're using raw sewage. So there you go. Is this some backhanded effort to get marijuana legalized just so we stop pumping our own ass gas? <laughs> okay. Well, Thank thanks, you. Rick. You've enlightened me. Once again, I definitely am in awe of your uh, cutting-edgeness with here in the uh, Portland area's drug use. So thanks a lot. It's what we do, sir. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Don't let your kids go to bed when they come home at night until you've smelled their breath. Okay. Hello. Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. So, okay, <laughs> th this writer's strike is is horrible because the guys from South Park need to bring back Mr. Hankey for this story. Totally. And, you know, just think about what Jon Stewart could be doing with this. Oh, my Lord. Think about what The Daily Show ought to be doing with this. Just uh, breaks my heart. No writers to get the jokes right. Yeah. Ah! Thank you. Thank you. Don't ferment me. Uh, Billy Joe says, Jenkum is a great way to unwind or relax after a stressful day. <laughs> after a while, you don't even notice the strong aroma and flavor. Just kick back and allow Jenkum to work its magic and take you away as you ride the wave of bliss. Just take me away. away. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Dude, forget John Stewart, man. Imagine what CSI could be doing. Really? I mean, this Seriously. is, uh, is going to permeate every every facet of American popular culture. It's bound to happen eventually. Oh, they can't just let this go, man. No. Not not anytime soon. No. Hey, but uh, anyhow, I just had a really good slogan for the uh, for, for the for uh, Jenky. Yeah, for, for Jenky. Uh, it was uh, don't get high on your own supply. Yes. Yes. That's excellent. a good one. Well done. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, that's wonderful. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. So has anyone really given this much thought? I mean, we're speaking medically and in the news hour, of course. Of course. So you're supposed to put it in a bottle, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And also, 
For guaranteed experiences, the substance should be exposed to direct sunlight for at least five hours before using. Mm. It's a long time to wait for Janky. It really is true. Well, that'll be plan out. for us here in this region because we don't get that much direct sunlight. No, yet that no, this is it. You really have to do, get some sort of indoor Lights? lighting. Some, you know. Where will we get that? Don't, don't. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that a very... <laughs> I can read your evil little mind. Yes, Sarah? Okay, so if it's like a, a soda bottle or something, that's a pretty small hole on the top. Uh, yes? Ooh, I see what you're saying. See what I'm saying? Uh, so you need more of a mason jar. Like so a how bell. would you fit the balloon over the mason jar? That is a good question. Hey, hold on a second. Jenkins I... doesn't make sense. No, no, you're right. <laughs> That is a good question. So I'm looking at It's like putting the boat in the bottle. (laughs) It really is. It's exactly like that. It's not a ship in a bottle. (laughs) So while this is on the stove at high heat, make sure... I put my ship in a bottle and then I left it outside for four hours. How did you get your ship in the bottle? (laughs) Well, it wasn't easy. I had to take my ship apart into little pieces. And then I had to shove my ship into this bottle. And then once, Ships are hard to get in the bottle. Once I'd shoved my ship into this bottle, I then left it outside in the sun. This bottle full of ship. Hi, Tim. So just make sure that you slowly stir in the urine while you make this, while it's on the stove with heat on high for five minutes. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Oh my God, Rick! I walked. I was. I'm just sitting, listening, waiting to hear this this uh, little snippet you pulled out. And as soon as I heard butt ass, I had to go into the bank right afterwards. <laughs> I walked in and absolutely looked at the ladies and lost it. I, I couldn't. I, I had to walk back outside for a minute. And you know, here I'm thinking, how am I going to have this conversation with my 13 year old? Yes. How are you going to bring up this pressing issue with him, yes. sir? Yes. I don't know what to say, but thanks. Best show ever. There you go. We'll see what Lisa's got to look forward to. Lisa will have to uh, look forward to having these conversations with her uh, son or daughter, as the case may be. Oh, that's true. Do they know if it's a son or a daughter? No, they don't. All right. So it's all... Now, do you do you have a guess? Do you feel like... Do you have a sense of it? I think it's a Women girl. sometimes claim they have an energy about this thing. I, I think it's going to be a girl. All right. What Do, do you know... But Jay she, thinks she, she might have seen a penis. Uh, on the baby. On the baby. Uh, and the baby inside his wife, with girlfriend. Anyway, uh, what is, do you know, is she secretly hoping for one or the other? I think she wants a girl. All right. But, oh, but don't repeat that in case it comes out of a boy. I won't repeat that. I just said that on the... Oh, damn it. <laughs> Hi, she'll love uh, whatever it is, even with eight limbs. Even as long as it's got 30 toes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, she's seen at least one penis. But, um... This story, Rick, is leaving a bad taste in my mouth. But I think the motto ought to be, uh, don't ferment me, bro, if you want to keep it relevant. Sort of like a don't taste me, bro kind of Exactly. Thing. All right. Excellent. Well, we'll look at it. That's Mr. Jenky saying, don't ferment me. All right. Thank you. Again, please to send your uh, your your anti-Jenkum uh, mascot logo, Mr. Jenky saying, don't ferment me. Pleased to be sending that to Rick at RickEmerson.com, and hopefully by the end of the day we'll get some of those. And at the sole discretion of we here at CBS Radio Portland, we will select one entrant to win something from the crap stack. All entries become the property of CBS Radio Portland. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. How are you doing today? Hey, what's up? 
Well, I was just thinking, um, with the rise in use of, obviously, outside camping stoves, because you can't heat this stuff up inside, and pineapple, are they going to start putting that stuff in a locked cabinet in the back of the store? Exactly. If they're going to have to keep all your propane prescription? All your Jenkins-producing supplies will now be behind the customer service counter at Safeway. Oh, good Lord. And then I have an idea for you. How about a sounder of Olivia Dukakis from... from Moonstruck saying, your life is going into the toilet. No, no, this call was half good. This call was, the first half of this call was good. All right, thank oh, you. Okay. Bye. All right, are you, you still, go. are you guys not at all concerned about the, um, like the specifics of this? Like, I'm still confused the about logistics the, little, the, little, the logistics. The logistics, yes. Well, it the says the most hole. severe hallucinations happened probably 20 minutes into this uh, Jenkum trip. Uh, let's see. Once you try this wonderful substance, you're going to be out of it for several hours after inhaling, and it'll take several days for you to fully recover. One of the downsides of Jenkum is you constantly of... have that taste of sewage in your breath for several days after the fact. Oh! That's one of the downsides. What were the other... Just one. Doesn't that seem like the downside is that your breath is going to smell of, you know... Poo. Poo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. You're the filmmaker. Man, you got to make Jenkum madness. Jenkum Madness. That's a great idea. There you go. That'd be like the uh, the video that cannot be named, and the that'd be like the chocolate rain of of the new of the new year. There's somebody uh, out there, and I'm not. A, I mean, I am a filmmaker, sort of, in the sense that I write a bunch of crap, uh, but I don't really know, have the technical skills. Some somebody out there, Joni, I'm looking in your direction, yes. needs to make Jenkum Madness, and then with like the bad voiceover and the scratchy, you know, like the Tim Riley uh, narration. These kids think they're getting high and having a wonderful trip. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, there you go. Jankum Madness. That's genius. Jankum Madness really is a wonderful idea. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to call that this one. This joke copyright 2007. Rick Emerson Show. I'm looking at this jar, though, Sarah, and now your idea is really starting to obsess me. The, 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 how... Let me see the picture. Is there you go. You're going to have that there. This email says, Rick, please stop. I am laughing so hard in my office, my coworkers are asking me what I'm laughing at, and there's really no way I can describe it. Please just stop talking about this. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. All right, here's Tim Riley. So that's all we have on it for now. Really, that does seem like enough here on KCMD Portland. But apparently it's infecting the white middle class of America. It's got to be stopped. All right. Uh, let's take a few more of these. Uh, we got Jim Roop coming up at 20 after. I got to figure out where to play this Max Brooks interview that we did this morning. Uh, I'm not going to pretend it's live. I pre-taped it, which is an indication of how great this book is and how how cool a guy he was. That I actually got yeah, out of bed. You never do pre-taped. I interviews. never, I never ever do pre-taped interviews because they always sound terrible. Um, I'm never really as good uh, pre-taped, and just I'm always asleep, and it's just you know what. Well, it went really well. He was a great interview. I sort of you know I was sort of half asleep, but he he was really good. Um, it's 10 minutes long. Maybe I should play that here in a few minutes, and then we'll go to Jim Roop. So we'll do an interview with Max Brooks, author of World War Z, um, which is apparently going to be a movie produced by Brad Pitt. So we'll uh, we'll talk to him in here in a few. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I'm having trouble getting my Jinkum uh, to ferment properly with the cloudy day. Yes. And I'm wondering if one of your fine sponsors, perhaps, no, don't, no, 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 no. No, the answer to that uh, question is no, sir. That is not oh, the sort of business they engage in. I do. I know. A, I know he was trying to help. I, I've got Sarah's problem figured out, though. You just start with your kitchen blender. Oh, 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 oh,
We can also go with the slogan, the brown menace. It's just as threatening to the children of the United States as the red menace ever was. Also, Rick, having looked at this list of slogans and slang terms for Gencom, I'm a bit disappointed that fruit from the crack pipe isn't getting any more play. I find that one pretty amusing. Signed, Butthash. Also, today's show needs the sound of more people throwing up. All right, well, I'll... I'll look into it, sir. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. All right. Uh, well, I was just looking at a bottle of it with a label on it. And yes. then the letters are backwards, like the little rascals are making this stuff. <laughs> like the little rascals or perhaps a Soviet. Hey, Spanky. Yeah. <laughs> Spanky, tell me about butt hash. Uh, well, let's see. Let's do a few more of these, and then we'll do one non-Jenkum-related story, for the love of God. <laughs> Uh, and then we'll do uh, the interview with Max Brooks, author of World War Z. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, God, you got to stop. <laughs> you have to stop. I'm sorry. Um, I had two, two, uh, two thoughts on this one. So you're supposed to add fresh ground beef. But, Tim? That's true, yes. <gasps> and, and then slowly stir in the urine. So is oh. that like Jenkum Helper or? <laughs> <laughs> That's the phrase of the day, Jenkum Helper. And and you know if you're gonna make Jenkum madness or if you want to put out something, you need a, a cause de celebrity. Uh, you you've got to have some big rock group come out with a, a, a song about it. Or have Todd Bridges admit that he was high on it while committing a string of shootings. You know the police just reunited, so maybe yes. they could do Jenkum in a bottle. Okay, thank you. Bye now. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Mr. Jinky, the huffin' poo, it gets you high, but it tastes like dew. That's as far as you thought into the song? I was only on hold so long. <laughs> it's a good start, though. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley with a non-Jenkum story. I think I do have one here. <laughs> Uh, Ray Romano and Patricia Heaton from Everybody Loves Raymond are joining the striking writers picketing outside of Paramount Studios in Hollywood. Romano says everything you see on the screen comes from a writer. How do you know that? My wife and I were watching one of our reruns a while back, and Patty Heaton and I are in bed in the scene, and we're discussing what something that day. And my wife looked at me and goes, you just talked to her more than you talked to me this whole week. And I looked at her and I told her, we have writers. That's if we had writers in our house, we would talk more. I, I, you know, I quit listening about halfway through that. Well, you'll, you'll despise this one even more. Guess who else is showing their support for writers? Yeah, I don't know. Please go home. The Reverend Jesse Jackson. Oh, uh, really? Wages and benefits and growth. It is the American dream. And the industry prospers and grows technologically. Workers have benefits What's going on in this I don't understand it. Shallot? 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 Do you understand? I don't understand anything he just said because there's somebody screaming over his shoulder and he sounds all warbly and weird. He does. Can you play that again? To fight for wages and benefits and growth. It is the American dream. As the industry prospers and grows technologically, workers have benefits from the worst of their work. But this is part of a larger challenge. He asked for a non Jenkins story. A larger challenge? It's part of a larger shallot. <laughs> Most call, folks call them green onions, but they're really shallots. All right. Uh, well, okay, there you go. Uh, well, who wants to hear the Max Brooks interview? Oh, oh I do. All right. Um, Immediately. 
So this uh, is a pre-taped interview, by the way, which, and I, and Court and Fatboy, uh, they, they sent out the thing saying, hey, hey, you wacky radio guys, who wants to talk to Max Brooks? And I emailed back and I said, hey, I do, because I had actually just read World War Z. Uh, he also wrote the Zombie Survival Guide, and then I found out that Henry Rollins actually is one of the guys who works on, who is up on the audiobook of World War Z, because it's a whole book of fictitious interviews, and apparently Henry Rollins is one of the guys on it. So, uh, also Alan Alda, Mark Hamill, um... And Court and Fatboy, I don't know if they were able to get an interview slot, so they might be using part of this. I don't know, but they might be using part of this interview on their show tonight. They might actually be doing that crude thing where they chop out my voice and, like, Court will come on, like, so tell me about how the book started. And then, like, he'll come back in. I think uh, Aaron Duran and Scott Daly, though, got an interview with him for Film Fever Radio, so we'll find out. Um, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we're going to do a little interview here. This is with Max uh, Brooks, son of Mel Brooks. Um, author of the Zombie Survival Guide and the new bestseller, World War Z, An Oral History of the Zombie War. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Max Brooks. I take this this morning, so we'll play this back. Uh, hi, Max Brooks. Hey, Rick. Hi, sir. How are you? Very well, sir. Uh, first of all, let me congratulate you on creating uh, what has to be called a singular work of, of fiction. Thank you. I have to say this. I had been my friend. By the way, yeah, just, I'm going to stop this here. You can actually tell that I taped this this morning because I sound like I'm like I'm completely asleep. I have morning uncaffeinated voice in this. So uh, there you go. First of all, let me congratulate you on creating uh, what has to be called a singular work of, of fiction. Thank you. I have to say this. I had been my friends have been telling me about this book. They're like, you got to read this book, World War Z. It's by the guy who wrote the Zombie Survival Guide. It's genius. You have to. And I said, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. It, it, it. You know, when I have some free time, it's on the list. It's whatever. I walked into our local bookstore here, and I was actually walking into entirely a different section of the store, and right there on the shelf in front of me, glowing like a beacon, like an orb, uh, was World War Z, as though the divine hand of providence had in fact set the book in front of me to be seen and picked up and well purchased. you know that's usually the way people buy the book we, we there's a big heavy marketing divine hands <laughs> fantastic um, so I, I picked it up took it home and within the first five or six pages uh as the horry cliche goes uh you know i knew i was reading something something really special so um well first of all let me ask you this as dr zoidberg would say why always the zombies for me zombies are scary because they don't play by the rules of horror and rule number one is you have to go find the monster. You have to go to the cave or the dungeon or the castle or the swamp or whatever. And my attitude is, well, that's your problem. I'm not in, you know, fine. Right. But, you know, zombies come to you. And that's really scary that you could just be sitting at home minding your own business. You look outside the window, there's 10,000 zombies rampaging down the street. I think there was that great line, and it was either in, it was in The Terminator, I think, where Michael Bean says to Linda, Linda Hamilton, he says, and it absolutely will not stop. Ever, until you are dead. Genius. And that is exactly the line. You got it, man. That's why zombies scare me, because they are machines. They just keep going. And they can't be, like Michael Bean says, can't be bargained with, can't be reasoned with. Uh, I mean, and do you believe that we are now in the middle of a zombie renaissance of some kind? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that because we're living in very uncertain times now, this is, you know, we haven't seen times this sort of crazy and uh, chaotic since the late 60s, early 70s. And I think zombies are a way for people to sort of explore the apocalypse without getting too into it. I actually, my producer, Sarah, we were talking about a friend of hers who went as a zombie for Halloween, and, and she... She couldn't quite put her finger on what it is that kind of freaked her out so badly. And finally, she sort of just shrugged a little bit and she said, you know, it's just, it's just wrong. And it does sort of, it is by definition probably the most unnatural thing that human beings can deal with. 
Oh, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, with, with any kind of zombie story, it has to go hand in hand with the apocalypse. You know, you, you can have a, a book about one vampire, one werewolf. You can't have one zombie. You've got to have millions of them or billions. You've got to have society breaking down. That's where the scary part is. Do you, was there a specific moment or a zombie epiphany, if you will, for you? Was it the original Romero film? Was it something later on? Or was it you know, it was, it was all those uh, for, for those books. But for World War Z, it came when I was watching the original Dawn of the Dead. And for me, the scariest moments in that movie are when they're watching TV and they're watching society break down. Because I wanted to see more of that. I'm like, what is happening around the world? And I wrote this book to answer my own questions. We're talking to Max Brooks, uh, the author of World War Z and Oral History of the Zombie War. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the movie optioning and the movie creation coming up here in just a second. But I have to ask you this. Is there going to be a World War Z video game? How great would that be? It would be the best thing ever. That's how great it would be. You know what? I can tell you this. If it's going to be a movie, it's going to be a video game. Is it? Uh, the movie, I know there was the big story was that Brad Pitt outbid Leonardo DiCaprio. And the idea of those two guys bidding against each other for a, a zombie film is, is both great and surreal. And I, I was talking to a guy here at, at work, and we were saying, really, the only way we thought that you had to do it like a zombie band of brothers, where it was going to be like nine parts, either two hours each, and just submerge you into 18 hours of zombie apocalypse. You know, that's what people are saying. You go on IMDb, and there's all these crazy discussion threads about how what it should be like. But I can tell you they hired an amazing writer, J. Michael Straczynski, uh, Mr. Babylon 5 and Jeremiah. And he wrote a screenplay that just blew my socks off. Are you going to stay in this niche? Or what is your next project? Are you going to stay with Zombies? Well, at this point, I'm taking my first book, Zombie Survival Guide. And in the back of the book, I've got these recorded attacks throughout history. Turning those into a graphic novel. I was actually reading last night. This is how this is how much of a life I have. I was reading on archaeology.com last night, and they were you had been interviewed, and this, the interview was about uh, the, the zombie attacks in the Roman Empire, zombie attacks in, in, in you know in Egypt, uh, zombie yeah, attacks. That's going to be the graphic novel. Excellent, fantastic. I have to ask you this, just to, not to, you know, to and I, of course this show is heavily spoiler free, but I do have to ask you in the opening pages of World War Z, the so-called patient zero of the zombie war is a young boy who is uh, moon fishing with his father, which I guess is diving through submerged ruins of a city. Um, the, the father's never seen. The, the boy comes up with a bite mark. Uh, in your estimation, and I, maybe you explicitly reference this in the book, and I just don't catch it somehow, is the source of the zombie illness, infection, virus, is that from places unknown, or is there some indication in the book that it's from Chinese weapons testing? I've read both theories. You know, we, do, we don't know. We know that um, we know something happened in that lake. And the scary thing about World War Z is that it's all based in reality. You know, there really is, that's really happening in China right now, that the dam, the Three Gorges Dam, is drowning entire cities. The creepy thing about that to me reminds me, it's reminiscent of the hot zone a little bit, where they talk about where there's this some you know, one cave deep in the recesses of the jungle where they believe that, the, you know, the Marburg virus came from, and they have no idea where it came from, how it came. It just somehow exuded from from this this hole in the earth that no one was really able to to investigate fully. And the idea, yeah, that, I, yeah I think that's what's so scary. You know, you and I, we grew up at a time uh, when AIDS was this tiny little nothing disease that nobody even knows where it came from, and it became this global pandemic. And that's pretty scary that diseases can just jump that quickly. We're talking to Max Brooks, the author of World War Z and Oral History of the Zombie War. Uh, before we get uh, ready to wrap things up here, a couple things. Whenever we talk to an author on the program, I always want to ask you, what are you reading right now? 
you know, what am I reading? That's a very what was I reading? Well, I'm I read a lot of graphic novels right now. And I am now reading The Harlem Hellfighters, the true story of a group of black soldiers in World War One that the US Army didn't want, gave to the French, hoped they would fail, set up to fail became the most heavily decorated unit in the U.S. Army. Duly noted, Harlem Hellfighters. Uh, uh, Max Brooks, author of World War Z, The uh, Oral History of the Zombie uh, War, what is your favorite Billy Joel song? Favorite Billy Joel song, uh, you know, might, ha- might be Allentown. Allentown. What is the timeline for the, uh, for the movie? That is a great question. You'll probably know before me. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll, I'll be checking Ain't It Cool then immediately after this conversation. Exactly. Uh, all right, my friend, congratulations again on a, on a piece of uh, writing that really is, I have to say this, that you have both literally and figuratively a global uh, scale and a scope and a vision. And it must have been a tremendous amount of really macabre fun to actually sit there and look at all of civilization and then just kick it all to hell, basically. Well, you know, the the big joke I had with my wife, which is if the FBI ever raided my office, it looked like a terror cell because it was just maps of the world, books on weapons. Uh, It it was crazy. I mean, I I now have a research library of books I've compiled just researching this one book. Uh, Final question here, and, of course, I am now legally required as a hack radio personality to ask this. Uh, Has uh, your dad, Mel Brooks, read the book, and what did he think about it? My dad is very happy that I have a job. (laughs) <laughs> and and no, this is as you know, as a son of someone famous, it's my legal obligation to plug his new show, Young Frankenstein. Absolutely, God bless you, sir. You're doing the Lord's work, my friend. I'm uh, trying. The book is World War Z: An Oral History of the Zombie War from Three Rivers Press. Uh, is there uh, anything else? Do you, is it, uh, do you have a, a website? Uh, you know, the website is pretty much the Random House website. Uh, also, check out the audiobook. We have an amazing cast in that. I interviewed Henry Rollins, actually, last week, and I know that he is part of that. Uh, Henry Rollins, yeah. I mean, tell me another project that's got Henry Rollins and Alan Alda. I, I don't, that's like a 600 degrees of separation thing. Right? Yeah, where do those guys work together? My friend, uh, congratulations again. Best of continued success, uh, and thank you so much for spending some time with us. Max Brooks, author of World War Z, An Oral History of the Zombie War, a book you really ought to read. Thank you, Max. Thanks, buddy. All right, there you go. So that's, that was um, awesome. He's great. How great is he? How old that is was he? a great interview. Oh my he God. was born in, I think he's 36. Okay, so he's right around your age. Right around my age. Yeah, he's great. He's, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't pretend to know much about him beyond that. Uh, I know he wrote on SNL for three years. But, I mean, being the son of, of Mel Brooks, you got to get some sort of compulsive entertaining gene out of that. I mean, just being born into that family, you got to have some weird. You know, ability to entertain in you. And I'm not going to go on and on about the book, uh, except to say this, that I picked it up thinking it was one thing, thinking it would be sort of tongue-in-cheek, like Shaun of the Dead. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they had zombies. It's the zombie war. <laughs> it is like the most pitch-black book. I mean, it's fascinating. I don't want to read it because zombie, the, the concept of zombies already scares me. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. And if you take that whole thing that, like a disease, you know, if it's one person infects two, infects four, infects eight, infects 16... And I mean, it's it's. Uh, it, I'm not giving any spoilers away because they they don't you know, talk about how it is a world war, because the infection rate is epi, you know is uh, uh, exponential. That that you know he described because the whole book is told ten years after the after the war is over, and he describes how there at one point in the world's history in the fight against you know this the the undead, how at certain points there are entire countries where everyone is undead, where there are entire countries quote under the control of the undead. 
and and that they're mindless and that they're not smart. They're dumb. They have no. They're like they're like really dumb animals. But they're relentless, and just in entire countries where there are 10 million or a billion undead creatures just roaming around, okay. you know, just controlling the whole thing. It's And that opening sequence where the oh. father and son are diving into this submerged city, and you never see the dad again, and the son comes up with this big bite mark, and he is the first victim from whatever bit him, and it just spreads to the entire human population over that. It is terrifying. So I can't even fathom a movie of that. And I hate to jinx it by saying I don't know that it could be... I mean, I just can't imagine how a movie could capture that worldwide... It's like The Stand. It really is a lot like The Stand, but with zombies. I mean, it's amazing. So there you go. World War Z, Max Brooks. Try to read it. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show... From Las Vegas! CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. What's up, my brother? Uh, well, we got uh, Charles Cashman on the stand right now. He was uh, the first guy that rolled over on Simpson. The one who didn't know Simpson or any of those other guys, so he says, until that day. And actually, nearly that moment that they went into that hotel room uh, back in September. Now, was, is, uh, was Simpson on the stand today, or is he, or was he? No, no. I don't, I don't know that he's going to take the stand. I, then maybe I'm wrong about this, because apparently I had read something this morning and I was only really able to glance over it, indicating that I guess maybe he was at least going to be there, or is he in attendance, or is that just totally wrong? Oh, he's here. Okay, but but they're probably not going to stick him up there. He's just sort of around. Yeah, this is an evidentiary hearing. This uh, you don't want him to take the stand. I mean, this is <laughs> no. this is just to see what the you know what the judge has to determine here is if there is a good chance that the DA can win the case. That's what it means by, is there enough evidence to go to trial? Does the DA have a chance to win the case? If he does, let's go to trial. That means there's plenty of evidence. If he doesn't, that means there's not enough evidence. And right now, it looks to me like, I don't know if there is or there isn't, it looks to me like O.J. Simpson just wanted his crap back. He went in there to get it. A couple of guys had guns, and that was it. The guys who had the guns should have the felonies against them, and Simpson should just get a slap on the wrist. Here's the question. I don't think anybody's uh, – I haven't actually seen this. What, they keep saying that O.J. went there to get his stuff back. What was the stuff? What things Well, here's, here's the story. Here, at least here's what we're told by uh, Thomas Riccio, who, you know, in spite of his criminal past, I found this guy pretty credible for one simple reason. He's got a deal of immunity with the D.A. Now, if he lies – even a small white lie, even a tiny, tiny lie, and they find out about it, all this immunity goes away, and he's going to go, he's going to be up on charges the same as everybody else. Um, so I think, and just by the way he's answering questions, I think, you know, I think he's telling us the truth here. The story is, apparently, an old manager of O.J. Simpson's, a guy named Mike Gilbert, was owed money by Simpson. Simpson didn't pay him, so Gilbert took some stuff out of Rockingham, out of Simpson's house in right. in, uh, in California. Uh, at that memorabilia, and we're talking a bunch of stuff, from photographs of his mom and dad to a plaque uh, autographed and photographed with uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, some uh, game-used uh, footballs, things like that. Um, uh, this stuff has been floating around, and Al Beardsley had gotten a hold of it. Uh, Al Beardsley wanted to unload it. He got a hold of Bruce Fromong, who is also a collector and a dealer, and he usually deals a lot on eBay, but on this stuff, he was going to sell it out of this hotel room. And what the defense was trying to get point across yesterday was, you weren't selling this on eBay because this stuff was gotten illegally. Right. They would never admit to that. 
But Riccio talked about, yeah, they told us it was stolen stuff, so we wanted to go, we wanted to go check it out. But what Riccio did was, because Simpson's been a good guy to him, he told Simpson, hey, this guy's got stuff that they say stolen from you. Well, let's go get it back. He said, yeah, my stuff is missing because Fromong gave him a list of items that he wanted to sell. So Riccio gave this list to Simpson. Simpson said, yeah, this is my stuff. It's taken out of my trophy room. So he said, you know, it just happened that Simpson was coming to Vegas for a wedding. Riccio was flying back from New York to California, so he's flying over Las Vegas. And Beersley had the stuff in Las Vegas. So it was like all the stars were lining up. Let's go see this stuff. And uh, they devised this little plan to go get it back. And it sounds to me like Simpson really didn't know that there were any guns involved. Right. That, um, in fact, somebody asked a question earlier, anybody in that room have any guns? And Riccio said, no, don't worry about that, nobody has any guns. But the guy who asked him if anybody has any guns apparently had a gun. <laughs> and Simpson didn't know it because Simpson's about three feet in front of this guy who had the gun, screaming his head off at Beardsley and Promont, saying, I thought you guys were my friends, you took my stuff. And he didn't see this gun behind him. At least that's what Riccio says. Well, you know, i got to say this. Just regardless of whether there's you, you see a gun, you don't see a gun, if you're just some guy, you're sitting there, you're around, O.J. Simpson is suddenly in your living room, a few feet away, screaming at you, that's a bad. That's going to end badly. You're you're thinking the very worst at that point. Well, yeah, that's why. That's why even Riccio said, you know, everything was kind of cool up until you know everybody lost their heads. You know, <laughs> so to speak. And, that, and and it was simply because, and and it sort of went south. When and there was other memorabilia there too. Some baseballs autographed by Pete Rose. That even that Rose even wrote on it. Sorry, I bet on baseball and then signed it, which would have been very cool to have. And some lithographs of Joe Montana, things like that. Some of these guys started to take that stuff. Yeah. And then Beardsley and Fromong started going, hey, wait a minute, no, don't take that. Take OJ stuff, but don't take our stuff. And that's when everybody started to get really angry. And that's when the guns came out and every, everything went south, as Riccio said. Jesus. So it's a very strange thing. In my opinion, we've, we've heard enough already that there should be a trial. I think they're just trying to figure out what the charges are. Right. God, I, I got to... Oh, just now, when Cashman was on the... On the stand, the DA said, did you know there was going to be a robbery taking place? And the defense says, whoa, wait a minute, you can't call this a robbery. We object to that. Don't call it a robbery. We don't know that it's a robbery. And the judge says, overruled. I think the judge already decided, this is a robbery. We're going to go to we're gonna go to trial. Yeah, he's tipped his hand a little bit there. I, yeah. I do have to tell you, just, just taking sort of the long philosophical view of this, and I'm not the first one to say this today, but it does... It does really illustrate the frailty and folly, I think, as Dennis Miller called it, of the human condition, that you get O.J., who walks on, you know, a, a double murder many people believe he committed, and, and, you know, and now he's looking at just another long haul in the pokey for going and taking back a bunch of, a bunch of crap, for, you know, from, from, from a football collector. I mean, it just is... It just is just the most Greek punishment ending for that guy if he ends up being nailed on this. So yeah, I gotta tell you, man. And after hearing this testimony for the second day now, and all this other stuff that's going on around him, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I don't feel for him at all. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he created this his, this reality of his, but it, it's like I don't think he deserves to be put up on eleven felony charges on a trial. I really don't think so. I think he did the wrong thing by going to uh, to try and do this himself. Um, but then again, Riccio says he contacted local police here in, in uh, no, he didn't. He contacted LAPD and the FBI, and everybody thought, well, it was his ex-manager who took his stuff. That's a civil matter. We don't want to get right. involved in that. Nobody wanted to help, so he decided to go get it themselves. And it was originally going to be, let's film this, prove that it's OJ's stuff, 
and then we'll do some interviews about it and make a little money off of it, too. You I, know, and then it just went bad. I think the, the lesson that O.J. needs to take away from this is, in the future, he never, ever, ever again ought to go try to resolve any kind of conflict in person. He needs to do things over the phone from now on. Well, I think, I think the police would have gotten involved if O.J. called them and said, hey, these guys have my stuff. Right. It was stolen out of my house by this guy, Mike Gilbert. They have it. Can we go catalog it? Can we can we go look at it to see if it's the stuff I think it is? Mm. But it wasn't OJ. It was this Riccio guy who's had this stolen property issue in his past before. All right, my friend, a tangled web to unweave, I guess, at this point. Uh, yeah, but it's I, a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> of course, you sound like you're having a ball. All right, well, enjoy your weekend to whatever extent you can, sir. We will talk to you soon, my friend. All right, man, thank you. All right, there you go. James Roop, knee-deep in OJ there. He doesn't sound good. No, well, he's just, you can tell. He's just, you know, he can feel himself being sucked into the maelstrom. You can tell. I mean, he lived through OJ1. Uh, you know, and the Phil Spector thing. Remember how long the Phil Spector thing just ground on for? And he knows that's looming again on the horizon. He can, you can tell. You talk to Roop, he can feel his pant leg being caught by the OJ machinery. He's just being dragged in again. It's just going to be another nine-year trial or whatever. All right. Take a break. Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Oh, yes, it never ends. Fantastic. All right. Uh, coming up, more news uh, from Tim Riley later on. Scott Daly from FilmPeopleRadio.com uh, and uh, Top 5 and, and all of that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we've got one janky submission. Actually, two from one guy. I think that one's kind of funny. I can see it talking. Don't permit me! All right. Mr. Chinky says, don't permit me. And it is. And he's just got a big smiley face on it. It's just a big pile with, with lips and eyes. It's kind of a Mr. Potato Poo kind of a thing. <laughs> it really is. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Just a moment. Our friend Dennis Pittsburgh will step in to shamelessly whore his automotive program. Also, uh, Tim Riley. Let's see. Uh, Aaron. I'm sorry, not Aaron. Scott uh, Daly will be coming here from uh, FilmFeverRadio.com. Also... A great suicide, and by popular demand, I'll play that. I'll play that little Fox uh, Jim Kim thing just again here in a little while. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth. It's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Jennifer Anderson is staying at the Heat, the Heatman Hotel. She's been given a twelve hundred dollar a night suite, two floors above a haunted room. Apparently, the haunted rooms at the Heatman are rooms eight hundred three and one thousand three. They report mysterious phenomenon. The general manager of the Heathman tells OK Magazine, we don't charge extra for the ghost rooms, but Jennifer is not staying in one of them. Hey, do you know that Byron Beck is uh, being published in OK Magazine right now? No. Oh, yeah. What? How cool is that? Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that's a secret. Well, sorry. Uh, no, he. Uh, the, we were talking to him at the, the Barfly thing, and he was just like, he was like, yeah, I've been writing some things for OK Magazine, which is pretty cool. Because uh, isn't OK Magazine, isn't that the magazine that had the Britney smearing chicken fat all over herself? Uh -huh. That's the one? Yeah, so Byron Beck, congratulations. we got to get that guy on again. All right, here's Tim Riley. A Tennessee woman is accused of beating her boyfriend with a frying pan. <laughs> Neighbors called police after they heard a woman screaming as she ran down the street. Uh, Jennifer Lee Ann Simino uh, told them her uh, boyfriend had shoved her into a glass table, but she had no visible injuries. They said her boyfriend, Robert Eugene Davis, was on bleeding from several cuts on the face and arms. And told police, Simino attacked him with a frying pan. Did she have rollers in her hair? And was there like a rolling pin in the other hand? I don't have a picture of her. And a house dress? They uh, arrested the woman who appeared to be drunk. 
Well, here's uh, something for all you kids. Instead of going to see, uh, uh, getting on that Jenkins stuff, why don't you go see the new comedy, Fred Claus? It opens in theaters this weekend. Vince Vaughn plays the rogue Claus brother, who is forced to make toys to pay back his debt to Santa for bailing him out of jail. This sounds ridiculous. It does. Well, and and the whole anti-Christmas film, Mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, can we all agree here that Bad Santa's that yeah, that's the gold standard, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is there one? I, am I missing another one? No. Usually, the guy who uh, gets high on cocaine makes these movies. The guy that was on that Home Improvement. Program? Oh, Tim Tim Allen. Where was he in this one? Well, you know, he was. Uh, you know, have you ever seen his mugshot? No. His mugshot's pretty great. He looks like a full-on '70s pimp in his mugshot. A pound of cocaine, I think he got busted. Who is Tim Allen? Oh. You know, he went to jail for cocaine. Uh, it was either smuggling or dealing. Yeah. There's a mugshot of him, him big handlebar mustache, kind of a mullet, uh, arrested for possessing a pound of cocaine. Um, the But I think Bad Santa is the definitive sort of anti-Christmas film, and everything else is just sort of... Because then there was that Surviving Christmas and Christmas with the Crunks or whatever the hell that movie was and the all of that. And it really, Bad Santa is the only, the only good one in the bunch. Uh, this uh, fellow uh, Vince Vaughn says this movie has a wide appeal. I love those claymation films growing up. Oh, this kind of feels like a live-action one of those. It has such great heart to it, but I think it works on a smart level, but yeah. the movie never has to be risque or shock value or gratuitous in order to accomplish that. So it sounds really, really exciting. Huh. It on one level, mm-hmm. and the kids are really connecting on another level. Yes, uh, Frank Spacey, uh, Fred Spacey, uh, Kevin Spacey says there's uh, more to this movie than pratfalls and jokes. You want to fulfill and sort of check all the oh. comedy boxes, but you also want it to be rooted in something. So that by the two, film, Kevin. An audience walks out and, you know, yeah, the movie has a theme and it's got some ideas to it and it's got a spirit to it. And, and there's some, as you always want these kind of movies to, to do, a, a kind of um, lesson to be learned. Kevin Spacey is in this film? There are lessons to be learned. The lesson is when you're an Academy Award winning actor, say no to PG kids movies uh, with Vince Vaughn. So Kevin Spacey? Really? Kaiser Sose is in this film? <gasps> yeah. How sad. How sad for all of us. You know who's in, uh, speaking of Academy Award actors who just, just completely piddled their fame away, you know who does actually have a small part in American Gangsters, Cuba Gooding Jr.? No. Oh. It's great to see him doing something that's not crap. Just doing something that's not complete another dog roll for once. All right. Well, it's time for the obligatory clips. I'm sure they're uh. side-splitting. In this scene, uh, Fred tries to get uh, Santa's DJ Elf to play another song. Hey, Donnie! What up, Fred? You gotta stop playing the same song over and over again. It becomes like mental torture. But, Fred, it's so catchy. Uh, okay, Donnie. It's one song that's being played over and over and over again. And the only thing that breaks that up is you screaming and announcing it's the same song. And it would be a really nice gesture on your part to play something different. I said no. Donnie, change the song. No! Change the song! No! You know what? I'm gonna change the song then for it. What are you getting physical with me for? Oh, my. In this scene, uh, Fred tries to get Santa's... Oh, we just played it. In this scene, uh, Santa instructs Fred... Well, let me hold on. Let me sit down. Who's naughty and who's nice? Oh, I'm going to explain this to you in very simple terms, okay? Now, see those good files? Uh-huh. I want you to review those files, okay? Yeah. If the kid strikes you as naughty... Bam! Stamp him naughty, all right? But if the kid strikes you as nice... Bam! Yep. You stamp him nice. I'm a cog in the wheel. That's what I am. <laughs> is, is this really the best they could come up with? Uh, make sure you see this uh, motion picture, uh, Senate Fred, uh, Fred, Fred, Fred Claus, this weekend. It's opening in many theaters. It stars Vince Vaughn. 
Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, former New York City Police Commissioner Bernard Couric, not to be confused with Katie Couric, says he will fight the charges brought up against him. His comments came after pleading not, not guilty to conspiracy, fraud, and making false statements, and his arraignment in a White Plains courthouse. I'm disappointed that the government has brought forward this case. Uh, it's an extremely difficult time for me and my family. Wait, hold on. We've gotten another another janky saying, don't ferment me picture. I wonder if I got that same one. Hold on. Your email address is on there. Uh, genius. That really is good. <laughs> this new janky picture. Tim, take a look at the new janky uh, picture. All right. Janky, uh, janky the poo saying, don't ferment me. It's right there. <laughs> that looks like a Hershey's kiss. That's great. It does. Or like a butterscotch kiss. Uh-huh. That seems it's not a butterscotch kiss. It's just a butt kiss. Take out the butterscotch. Yes. I don't know what we're doing anymore. Uh, I don't know what this program has become. Butthash. Uh, okay, let's do one more, and then Dennis Pitchenbarger will uh, step in, and we'll talk about a bit about Miles Around. we got these phone calls to get to coming up next hour. Uh, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Well, despite the death of their patriarch, more than 100 members of George Osmond's family filled an episode of Oprah because they, uh, wanted to, they thought their dad would want it that way. We talked about it, and my family would want all of us to be here, said Marie Osmond. She told Oprah that. George Osmond planned to travel to Chicago to tape the show before he died Tuesday at the age of 90 at his home from Provo. Marie Osmond told uh, Winfrey in a uh, transcript provided by uh, Harpo Productions, George Osmond had nine children, well, 55 grandchildren, and mm-hmm. 48 great-grandchildren. His well, wife all have died in 2004. What? Oh, they're, I mean, yeah, there's lots of they're, them. They're Mormons. Yeah. They are fruitful. They do mm. multiply. A hundred members of that family. I, I can't. I don't think I could name more than ten members of my own family. I just. Uh, I'm just not that connected. No. All right. That's that. All right. Uh, more from Tim Riley later on. Also, this story right here, which is uh, the world's best suicide. We'll get to that here in a while. Uh, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. Uh, more of these phone calls here in a second. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from miles around. Heard uh, Saturdays on this very fine radio station from 9 to 11. Our good friend Dennis Pittsburgher. Hello, sir. Uh, how are you? What's up? Uh, good. Well, you actually took my little piece of paper that I put in front of you. Please just... tell me these aren't lyrics to a janky poo song. Yes, they are. We're not going to read these. No, no. Give me that. Well, what? What? Hold on. Hold on. Let's hold on. Hold on. Well, I've got my notes. Stop speaking now. Sorry. Switch microphones. That microphone is... There's something really weird going on with that microphone. Let me grab that. Yeah, is that better? Something, oh, a lot better. Yeah, no, there's, I'm let's sorry about make that. a note to mention that to Matt. There's yeah. something weird going on with that. I'm sorry. Well, Matt, actually, uh, Matt Green thought my uh, lyrics were funny. He but, laughed out loud. I, I'm just he saying... LOL. He LOL. Yeah, he LOL. If you just read... Think of the Slinky song, read that, and tell me it isn't funny. Just work with me a little bit here, Rick. I think you should work with him, Rick. Hear it? Yeah, Thanks. we're not going to read that. Thanks so much. <laughs> Can Dennis sing it? I'm not going to sing a Can song about it? poo to the Slinky Sock. No. Please? No. Sarah? Sarah? Get, I'm going to hand this to Sarah. Sarah will like it. Sarah Ask will laugh. yourself if you want to hear Dennis Sing singing that on the air to the Slinky Sock. And then you have the quote at the end, of course. Ask yourself if you think we need to be doing that. I'll let I you... think we, yes, I think we need to have Dennis uh, singing All right. Immediately, if not sooner. Okay. I mean, I'm just it, it, as everyone's making the logos. I'm not as good with art, but I could, I did have the jingle. I thought that would work. But words are your art. Yes, thank you. I I'm just gonna pull up a chair here. Go ahead. All right. Well, it would be it's jingle. Wait. Sorry. All right. Go. 
It's janky, it's janky, it's smelly, it's stinky, it's new. It's janky, it's janky, it's better than dope, it's poo. It's better than dope, it's poo. Remember, kids, don't ferment me, you'll forget me. See, that doesn't make any sense. The tagline is at odds with the rest of the song. Because if if you're blowing brain cells on drugs, you'll forget them. So janky doesn't want to be forgotten? So janky doesn't... Don't ferment... See, there's no internal logic to the song. The... All right, I'm sorry. Matt, Richie, and I, outside. Richie is just typing the screen, wah, wah. Yes, that's oh, what thanks, I'm saying, Richie. right? Thanks that's for the what, backup that's what I'm on saying. that. That's oh, what that's what about. I get. Okay. Let's uh, do a couple of these, and we'll talk about what's on the miles around this weekend. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hey, Rick, this is Tom in Portland. Hello, sir. Uh, I think uh, you got to seize this moment and take uh, advantage of the whole janky idea, and uh, maybe they can you can get a hold of the, the South Park boys. And uh, have them turn that into a part of your show. Like instead of a Mr. Hanky, be a Mr. Jenky. Well, I don't know so much about that, but uh, you know, because you, you can't take away Mr. Hanky, obviously. But you could work it into the show somehow, and maybe get a plug for you or your show. Well, I would say this. Here's the thing this does remind me of. This this is like dovetailing with the earlier caller who was pointing out that the writer's strike is really screwing the South Park guys. Because, uh, look, I'll put it, here's two things I am sure would be turning up on South Park. Because they had that Guitar Hero episode from earlier this week. And I don't know how many more new episodes they got. But you and I both know that the Jenkins thing is perfect for South Park and The Daily Show. You know what else is perfect for South Park? That video from last week that can never be discussed or described. You know that, that it was... Yeah, well, you know that it's just a matter of time until there's some episode of South Park in which Cartman sees his mom as one of the two girls in that video. You know it's true. Something like that. Especially because she already did something stunningly similar to that in a South Park film. So, or maybe Mom huffing some Jenkins. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. We're like Butters would be the one doing it, of course. Totally. Hey, you guys want to come over to my house and have some Jenkins? Butters would totally be the one uh, doing the or or this or Cartman would read about Jenkins on the internet and Cartman would convince Butters to do it to be part of the cool crowd. You know, but I, I think you could work it in so you could get a plug for you or your show on there. Well, maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll see. All right. Thank yeah. you, sir. All right. There you go. I could see Cartman doing the full-on pushing the Jankum to the Cartman, other kids. Cartman, totally. Cartman would become a full-on Jankum dealer. Now, uh-huh. that, see, Dennis, now you've earned your keep on the program. I that observation that. alone. Let me scribble that song. Yeah. Out no, no, no. That, uh, that I could completely see. Cartman actually dealing Jankum. And like uh, butter. Now, see, and you, you see him creating the product, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. You could totally. Do you remember the one where it was? Where yeah, also... where the process was reversed. Yes, that was the grossest episode. And the things episode. that would come out would go in, and the things that were supposed to come out of one end were coming out of the other. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Can't yeah. you see this? Can't you see, you know, like Cartman with the, Ma'am, I need you to buy 500 cases of brand buds. You know, it's just... Oh. And then, and then you would... And then, you know, the, the Cartman's mom would walk into the, uh, you know, walk into the patio or something, or the school greenhouse, and Cartman would just have endless jars fermenting in the sun. Little balloons everywhere. And then... And then, okay, wait, hold on, right now, stop everyone. I have now come up with the entire South Park episode in my head. Here's the thing, because Car- because well, South Park is so much a play on popular culture, here's what they do. They do a full-on parody of Scarface, except instead of being a cocaine dealer, Cartman becomes a Jenkum dealer, and it ends at the end with him in the white suit in the mansion having a huge bloody firefight and a gunfight with, with the feds. 
And there's that whole sequence where there's that whole sequence in Scarface, a famous scene where Pacino is at the desk with a mound of cocaine and he just shoves his whole face into the mound of cocaine and comes up and his face is covered in cocaine. You have in Scarface, except it's a table, desk covered in Jenkum because Cartman, in while while becoming a Jenkum huge dealer of kingpin, becomes hooked on his own supply, thus giving them the chance to have the scene where Cartman is sitting at a desk and shoves his face into a pile of Jenkum, and then it has to say hello to my little friend, and then. The, Oh, it's gold. See, I would kind of think I would go a different way and think that they would want to make the biggest jar of Jenkum ever, and then um, and then at the end, like they get a giant balloon and they get everyone to contribute and like you know hilarity ensues and then it floats away with the balloon. I'm telling you, I, I like the Scarface idea. I can see Butters coming in as his little sister. You know, you don't love me, and because yeah. it, and because it gives him the chance to use that push it to the limit, walk along the razor's edge song from Scarface, which they've actually already used in South Park oh a couple God, of times. Here's another, like Trey Parker. Here's another Mr. Jenky submission. Sarah, come check this out. Right. Oh, my God. We've Wait. got to be posting these to the website. Your listenership is beyond any This other. one's that gold. Is, that That's is, gold. That right is there. as good Look as Look at that one. With the T-shirt, no less. And with flies buzzing around him. Okay, that's perfect. All right, I'm going to forward this to you. Okay. All right. So I'm telling you right now, there ought to be a takeoff on Scarface where, where Cartman becomes, you know, and he does that, you know, first you get the Jenkum, then you get the power, then you get the women. <laughs> I can't do Cartman's voice, but you know what I'm talking about. You can see him in the restaurant doing the scene where, you know, he's... Who uh, oh, I trust? <laughs> Me. Who put this thing together? Me. <laughs> Go have another load of quail or another load of Jenkum and you love and then, in the morning. And then it allows them to do the sequence where they chainsaw that guy to death in the shower. <laughs> but it would be Cartman and Butters chainsawing some rival Jenkum dealer to death in the shower. <laughs> you are definitely onto something. I'm I mean, telling you right now, if that doesn't exist within a week, somebody needs to do that. Where there is the Scarface parody with Jenkum. Well, I, I called you earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like it's always a uh, there's a cavalcade of people ripping you off. I mean, I made mention of that earlier this week. Yeah, I didn't mention that on the air because I didn't know if that was a real ripoff or not. But you did mention that uh, there was another radio program that was using a. I, I something some, stunningly similar to us. Well, it's it's the 48-hour delay. It's like, you know, what, what are we on, a two- or three-minute delay on yes. this radio program? Uh, you know, it's it was it's the 48-hour delay, and it's almost to the point where I'm getting used to looking for what you do today on Tuesday. The, yes, the, yes, the Charlie Morning Show. Here and tomorrow, today. Exactly. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, let's see. i got to save this. Let's oh. get some of these calls here while I'm saying. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? South Park stuff is gold. That's what I'm saying. Can't you see? I'm not trying to say. I'm not trying to pimp my own genius or anything. I'm just saying I know that show and how those guys work. Can't you see that happening? Now you're on to something, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But anyway, earlier you referenced the, the one broadcaster talking about Bud Hash sounding like Mr. Garrison. Oh, he totally did. But it's actually Mr. Mackey. Mr. Mackey. I couldn't Mr. think Mackey. of who it was. Well, hold on. Let me play that a little bit. Yeah, this I is the you thing. Can find a clip of him and then play the guy. Uh, well, here's the thing we're talking about. This is Jenkum, the reporting from, on Fox News. I've got the Bud Hash. Thing. Hold on, let me. This is Here the guy. Fox City's Jack Miller reports they're using raw sewage. The Washington Post, the Drudge <laughs> Report, and Inside Edition are all talking about Jenkum. It could be uh, toxic and, and harming. The bulletin describes Jenkum as gas produced by raw sewage that's allowed to ferment. Okay, yeah, you're totally okay. It's Mr. Mackey. Okay, so don't do Jenkum. Okay. Is Mr. So Mr. Garrison is. I always get them confused. Mr. Garrison's uh Mr. Garrison's a ham puppet guy. 
I That's thought. who I was thinking. Oh, I'm about. thinking of the guidance counselor, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm confusing the guidance counselor with it. Mr. Twig and I, that guy. You know, okay. Mr. Mackey's the counselor, okay? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. And he sings that song about you know it's easy, okay, in the movie. Oh, yeah. You all can right. do it. It's all up to you. Excellent. Good time. All right. Thank you, sir. Best show ever. All right. There you go, Dennis Pitsenbarger. What's coming up on Miles Around this weekend? Well, actually, we got a lot of stuff. Uh, we're doing the Jeep Patriot. We're actually gonna we're two races away from the chase for the Cup in the NASCAR series. But more importantly, we have a, a gentleman named Lawson Ashenbach, which is a team Cadillac factory driver, and he actually gave me two of the coolest things I'll ever be able to give away on the program. So if anyone wants some uh, Cadillac swag, I guess it would be the time to call in. It's actually a team jacket, like an authentic team Cadillac racing jacket signed by Lawson, both a team shirt and his jacket. We're going to give that away. We're going to talk about, obviously, NASCAR, industry news, and uh, you can check it all out at milesaround.com, of course, preceded by Car and Driver on Saturday mornings. And then, uh, even though his afternoon, afternoon Monday through Friday show is the best, I still always say that the afternoon like us. Tasting room, Tasting room is the best. 11 to 1. 11 to 1. Uh, that is a great show, by the way. I don't even, you know, I don't, uh, I'm don't. i not a wine guy or a cigar guy, but I actually listen to that show just as a listener uh, because it's so cause it's Well, so it makes great. you educated. I mean, if you try to, I mean, it's amazing. I've actually gone into, like, bars and tried to experiment with the things that you hear on that program because right. it's like, you know, you think of, okay, let's do a tequila shot. And somebody just go, okay, Cuervo 1800. Well, and he does, and he talks about a lot of, uh, like, actual, like, food stuff, too. And I'm like, I'm not, like, a huge guy into gourmet food or whatever, but I do, you know, I like I like, I like me some good food now and again. And he does kind of tell you, like, what to do and what to look out for. And that would be the whatever. ultimate guest on that program would be the Rachel Ray on the Tasting Room with Tom Likas. I'm not, I Maybe. am not being facetious. Maybe. I'm not. I would think that that would be a funny show. She's sort of rela- she's sort of off-puttingly perky, Rachel Ray. You know, she's really only good with the sound down. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I you think- know what Rachel Ray looks like? She looks like if Claire Danes had sort of kept it together and not gone crazy. Uh, she does kind of look like an older Claire Danes. You know, I didn't I mean? know she went crazy. Well, she's not crazy. She's just sort of. Uh, she's just un- unlikable. What did you? You said it the other day. You you had some phrase about Claire Danes the other day. You were just saying there was just like nothing there. That she's just. Uh, she's, an, yeah, she's completely blank. Yeah, she's just a vacuous. She's just vapid. Well, she always reminds me of the girl from the other girl with the with the fangs from Spider Man. What's her name? Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten yeah, that Dunst. girl. They're both. Totally. Doesn't Kirsten Dunst just puts off a bitch vibe to me? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be a terrible person. She just puts off a vibe. She's unlikable. She she is like to me. Kirsten Dunst is like a female Ben Stiller. Just puts up this vibe of like tight ass. You know what I mean? Even though they're per, you know they're they're persona outside of. But it, she can't pull it off. Like every time I see Kirsten, that's what you know Elizabeth Town, which I wanted to love because I love Cameron Crowe. That was the fatal weakness. In Elizabethtown is that I didn't buy Kirsten Dunst as like this sweet, good-natured, bubbly country girl. I just couldn't buy it. I wanted to love that film, and she just made it impossible for me to do so. So Her perfect role was in uh, The Virgin Suicides. Yeah, that's it. That's the best thing she's ever done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really is it. You're, you're absolutely right about well, that. Well, you look at all those stars, the way that their, uh, their careers have progressed. I actually, my wife and I sat down and watched the movie Go. You guys seen yeah. that movie? With Sarah Pauly. Katie think, Holmes. Yeah. yeah, we watched that movie, and my wife looks at her and goes, oh, my God, is that Katie Holmes? And you look at there's a bunch of several stars in that movie. Um, that you just, they come out of nowhere, and I don't even know when that movie was made, like 85 or something. Yeah. I mean, no, how, no, how, no, no, it was like 98. Nine, yeah, 98, 99. I was late 90s. Kidding, I'm just saying that it, but it was, seems yeah, like it's it a while ago. Makes them all look extraordinarily young, and I am obviously extraordinarily old. So, uh, best show ever. Thanks Thank for having you. me on. There you go, Dennis Pittsburgh, um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, 9 to 11 miles around, immediately preceded by Car and Driver Radio. I'm glad that I could. Uh, Please never uh, sing that song again. I, I'm glad that I could. Uh, I think wipe. you should take us to break with it. Okay. No, I'll just. No, no, no. Are you Go saying, ahead. I can't do it now. No, no, yes, not you, you can't oh, buckle under the pressure. You're a professional. Oh. It's janky, it's janky, it's smelly, it's stinky, it's do. It's janky, it's janky, it's better than dope, it's poo. It's better than dope, it's poo.
Miles around. <laughs> That's really what? No, seeing who submitted it. Uh, I don't know that the gold thing. That is from Rick, and then Rick. No, it's Eric. What? Eric. Your name's Rick. I know. I don't know what's Eric. happening right now. It says Rick. It says hey Rick. Mr. Jenky says hi. Best show ever, Eric. Okay, the. I don't understand what's happening. The Jenky picture I just forwarded to you is the, well, maybe he has two different names. Because his email says Rick, right here. His email that you forwarded to me says Eric. Maybe I forwarded you. Maybe I'm looking at a different one. I, I think you are. Matter. It doesn't matter. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol, can you now uh, please uh, bring to the uh, Rick Emerson studio uh, Scott Daly uh, from Film Fever Radio. <laughs> Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Scott Daly. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hello. How's life? How are things? Oh, you know, they're all right. Hanging in there. It's a weird day. Yes, it is. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> you've stopped shaving. I have, he did last I week, too. Last week. Wait, no, but I thought it was like a one-week thing. I thought you were going to get past it. I no, thought no, it was no, like no. a temporary... I think it's to be gone this weekend. Though. All right, okay. Yeah, just, ooh. Oh, okay. You know, there, there is the confusion. Okay, now I see. I've opened this up. I see the confusion now. There was one... The one I showed you that had the big goggly eyes, that's from a guy named Rick. The one you posted where the where Mr. Jenky is wearing a shirt, that's from Eric. Yeah. I now see the confusion. All right, fair enough. It was kind of driving me crazy. You know, I just got to tell you this. I went to dinner last night, and I, the entire time I was kind of distracted because at the table next to us was a guy who looked exactly like you. Really? In in your current incarnation with the uh, the facial hair. Did you take a picture of him? I didn't because it would have seemed weird. I almost wanted to though. He was like, I swear to God, he was like your double, dressed like you, tall. Same hair, same beard. It was kind of weird, actually. That's bizarre. And no, and he was like a babe magnet, though. He was like at a table of about nine people, and he was holding court with a bunch of well, chicks. They do have something in common, Rick Emerson. And then he went off to the bathroom and he banged some girl over the sink. So yeah. So what's going on with that? Okay. So now, please to explain, because Seamus says, let me give a little backstory. So Scott Daly, um, Scott Daly here is is about to become single. Uh, there's a uh, being sued for divorce, and it's all very unpleasant, and so forth. But then we thought that maybe just the tiniest little silver lining to this to this cloud was that last Friday at the Goonies showing for Court and Fatboy's Midnight Movie for KUFO, you were there with a a, a very uh, a very attractive young lady mm-hmm. uh, dressed in uh, uh, boobs hanging out. Yes, my, that my, exactly. My very good friend Shelley, uh huh, who you've known for a long time. I have. We've known each other since. She was 16, so we've known each other for a very long time. Have you known each other? <laughs> have you known each other in the biblical sense? <laughs> yes. See? Uh, <laughs> listen to that. Yeah. So, no, we've been so, friends for a very so long So you guys, time. Uh-huh, you, quit, you, you don't have to no, give no, the disclaimer true. anymore. I understand. Okay. I'm just saying okay. we're, all, we're, all, you know, we're all adults here. Yeah. Nobody's judging. No, no. Um, and, and, love. So you guys are there uh, having dinner or whatever, and, and at one point... Catching up after many, many, many years. Now that you're suddenly divorced. Suddenly catching up now that you're single. There's a long backstory behind that, which I'm not going to get into. But yes, okay, yes. Don't you love that when someone when you're dating someone and that another person's like, "Oh, I'd never be interested in him," and you never really see them, and all of a sudden, the of second you break up, they show up. Uh huh. That always it's happens. It's nothing like that. Oh, this is so awkward on so many levels. Um, 
I feel like he's being defensive and we can't be productive. I'm not being Well, defensive. and I wanted to ma- Okay. I just I got to start. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, no, I got to stop, too, because I almost got derailed with some other side issue there, but I don't want to. Um, <laughs> anyway, so at one point, this... Uh, now, you... Can I say her name? Yeah. Shelly? Yeah. So she gets up to use the bathroom. Yeah. Jason Crump leans over, who he was having dinner right... And we were all kind of together, like, yeah. like a big geek squad. Well, it was weird. So we're... So she gets up to use the bathroom. Crump leans over and he's all like, "Dude, way to be the Mac. Way to keep it. Way to keep the pimp hand strong." And Scott is immediately like, "Oh no, 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 we're just friends." And Jason's like, "Don't toy with me. Don't, don't lie to me, Scott Daly. I see what's going on over there. I'm simply congratulating you as a man." Right. And 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 you're like, "Well, whatever." And Jason Crump's like, "Don't, don't, whatever. You're hitting that, you know, or some something like that." Then okay, I leave. Uh, Jason Crump's a little fire starter. No, he. Well, oh, you have no idea. No, it's he. He's the guy who drew the clown on his ass <laughs> on Halloween. It was shoving it at someone, I trying think to I've distract met him them. In a yeah. Different way. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, uh, Lauren, and I had dinner plans, so I actually left. And then what we heard on Monday mm-hmm. is that at one point you and your lady friend, mm-hmm. with whom you claim to have no sort of relationship, mm-hmm. were how do I put this? Getting it on in the bathroom. <laughs> Please now to discuss. I will discuss and, and, and lay it on the line right now. No, nothing did happen. We actually, it was very conveniently. We both went at the same time. Uh-huh. And somebody... You went and used the same bathroom at the same time? No. Now, no, how, did the sto- how did I had to get up? How did the story, what? How did the story start? The story started with, because when we came back together, Richie said, hey, Scott, there's some dude asking for you looking to buy pot. I'm like. What? What are you talking about? Thanks, Richie. Yeah, yeah. What and would have furnished the station uh, image in public. Thank okay. you. Okay. Uh, and of course, that's entirely uh, that would not in any way. Yeah, no, of course not. No. I don't think it was me. He was looking for. No, of course, because some other dude named Scott. That I don't think he asked for Scott <laughs> Dally. Some other dude named Scott who happens to be sitting at your table at that exact corner. It was very bizarre. every once in a while. And then Richie's like, "Oh, oh, where did you guys go?" And so I kind of looked at him. We went to the bathroom. And we just kind of played it that way. But no, nothing happened. Shelly and I, like I said, are very good friends. She's seeing somebody currently. So it was just, oh, I it was see. all innocent. Oh, okay. oh. I understand why this is being... A little bit being... of fun to play it up. And, uh-huh. nah, it was... Uh, and, 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 I think Sharon and I... Sharon, uh, Sarah and I just shared exactly the same look and exactly the same thought. I see what's happening now. No, no, no. Seriously. I think Scott found that maybe somebody he didn't know listened before uh-huh. <laughs> listening to the show. <clears throat> yes. No, I actually is was, the boyfriend is the boyfriend easily angered. Is no, that actually, what we're talking actually, about? I think I don't think he even lives here in town to be honest. Uh, but the weird thing is, is wait, the, hold on, what? He doesn't live in town. So she's dating someone long distance. I don't know. I just saw her for the first time in in seven years last Friday. I I I pretend to know nothing about that. So I is it no a coincidence? How long have you been, how long were you married? Uh, Seven years? Eight and a half years. Okay. So is it a coincidence uh, that she and you were on the town together immediately after the divorce proceedings started? Uh, Yeah, it kind of was. It kind of was because I I, I was not. It's okay. (laughs) I'm (laughs) sorry. Go ahead. What you want. Go ahead. I was kind of going through the MySpace thing, kind of looking up old friends one night. Now, see, come on. It's true. It is true. It is completely true. I have no doubt that's true. Sarah had a guy do that just the other day. (laughs) Hey, remember me? Yeah, but no. I'm a drunk. Mistake. But Let's again, Shelly and I have been friends for a very long time, and we've been through a lot together. And um, and it just so happens that I just I, there was a few of her. She has a very very common last name, and I just let me ask you this: the name. Okay. when you were going through MySpace, were you sorting by gender? No. When was the last time you spoke to Shelly before this um, instance that you saw her on Friday? Uh, via email a couple years ago when she emailed everybody she knew to inform everybody that her and her boyfriend of like eight years had broken up. When is the last time you uh, were together 
I, I, you know, together physically. Just in other words, hanging just out hanging together. Just hanging out together. Yes. Uh, the last time is when her boyfriend at that time and her and... and we, how we, long we ago? We had them over for dinner. Uh, God. Six years ago? Okay. Let me ask you this. And this really is the million-dollar question okay. in every relationship like this. You're okay. so trying to be Larry King asking the... Can you have sex? Questions. <laughs> Did you get canceled? Uh, no, no, no. This is this because I know this dynamic well, and I think... Oh, and then I have a question too after you're done. I have a question in three parts Mike followed by a comment. Yes. No, 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 I, I, because I think everybody uh, has this dynamic. Okay. If I may ask this. Uh, please. Uh, how did your wife feel about this? That's my question. Yeah. Um, uh, she... <laughs> yeah. Um, that's uh, a tricky question, that Rick. That is a very here's tricky the question. Thing. Here's, yeah, here's what you have to know about my ex-wife. I... Uh, you know, no, no. Shelly uh, and I have always been um, uh, really close friends. That's not really what I asked. And and I, I, I believe my <laughs> wife is both threatened by that. That's exactly what I asked. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, to be honest, did you not spend time being, with Shelly because your wife disapproved? Exactly. Me being the crappy friend at the time. Well, I was crappy. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. She didn't. Um, your wife didn't want you spending yeah, time with exactly. this female friend. Exactly. And with the large wife. pendulous bosoms. And and you know, and I respected that wish, and it just kind of happened. And and when we got together, when, when Shelly and I got together, one of the first things we talked about is like water under the bridge. What's done is done. And, yeah, I know it does look very bizarre that as soon as my wife and I are separating. Your wife. My wife and I are separating. uh, (laughs) This happens. But you know what? I was very forthcoming with her. I said, look, Shelly and I are getting together on Friday night. That's just the way it is. Oh, that must have been. Oh, that was a lot of fun. I bet that was an enjoyable conversation. Well, she handled it very well, and she was By the way, if you need me, I'll be in the bathroom between 8.15 and 8.29. Well, she should handle it well, because there's nothing she can really do about it Seriously, she should handle it well, because that's that's, that's no longer her concern. That's just it. That's trying to be Make one decision, you know, things happen. Yep, yep, yep. But, but it was I mean, it was great. It was great seeing her. I hadn't seen her in a very long time. It was great catching up. But it was very strange because I just told her, hey, I'm going to go to the midnight movie. I'll be there. And generally when I go to the midnight movie, no one else is there. Yeah. Jason and Asher show up. We were Aaron all there. Everybody was there. Show up yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, that's Rick Person. <laughs> so she was a little Star Trek for a while there. She was. Like, How low the bar is set in her world. How sad for her. Um, well, she was already with a famous person. I was just, <laughs> thank you for beating me to that joke. I was just going to say. So let's... did you guys arrive separately or did you ride in the same car? Did you separately. pick her up? Separately. Did you, where? Did you happen uh, to catch another cocktail like after the movie? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh man, I don't think I'm, I don't think I can drive home. Well, that's okay. I've got a spare room here. <laughs> Well, I don't want to be any trouble. Oh, it's no trouble. Do you need cab fare? Oh, it would be cheaper for us to share one. We can just hold each other in our underwear. No. <laughs> no, it was a very cool night to catch up. Uh-huh. We can hold each other in our underwear. Yeah. That's, that, that's pretty sexy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good seeing her again. It was just very weird that everybody happened to show up. It's like, oh, Where does her boyfriend live? How far away? Uh, I think somewhere in Washington. I'm not sure. You don't even know. So she must have talked about him a lot. She must have really gone on and on about that boyfriend. You don't even know where he lives. <laughs> I she so, must be really into him. I think somewhere around uh-huh. Seattle. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. No, seriously. I have a girlfriend in Canada. Really? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> right. no, and again, I you know, at this point I want I want nothing. You know, I just it's just fun to it's just fun to catch up a little bit. It's also fun to find somebody to ease the pain a little. Well, yes. that is true. That is true. And, and there's you know, nothing wrong with that. When that opportunity arises, oh. I will take full advantage of it. Wait, but, so let know. me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So you're saying the opportunity did not arise? Correct. And if it did, I don't think I don't think I'd do anything. So about. nothing did arise? No, 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 no. no. There was no opportunity. Nothing yeah. arose. You're saying she didn't. Uh, no. Oh, saying... damn her. Her profile's private. Oh no, she's my friend though. I can look at her. Uh... Oh, you bastard. <laughs> no, have you, do you want to come look at her? Yeah, I totally want to look at her. Come look at her. Let's all stare at her at her form. I want to see. 
these bosoms I hear. Something no, they about. are. They are immense. They are immense. No, it's and uncovered uh, a lot of the time, from what I can tell. Uncovered. Well, not totally, but I mean, no. I mean, she was very. She was dressed in a very uh, um, appealing Sorry? fashion. Oh. Well, and it was a very low cut. And at one point, somebody I don't, and I really don't know who. It. Because I, at one point, uh, her bosoms were falling uh, out. Well, yes. But then later, falling falling out also with a KUFO sticker across them. <laughs> so I don't really know. But no, seriously, to 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 answer the question, I mean, if that opportunity did come up, uh-huh. um, you know, we've 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 why ruin our friendship? Been, that's exactly. Oh please, you've already yeah, you've already, already slept, slept with, with her. her. I know, but it's just it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Seriously, what does that mean? Meaning, you've already I slept with her. <laughs> oh. You would totally sleep with her. Just admit it. Uh, no. You've already... Okay, so you don't find her attractive? Very. You're single? Yes. Her boyfriend lives in Kansas or something, if he yeah, even but exists. she has the boyfriend. Okay, but, but see, but you never brought up... Scott in an annoyed mood right now <laughs> on my space page. Really? Oh, no, I put, I, I put that on there because our water pipe broke again, so we had to spend a grand to fix our water pipe. Oh. Yeah. That was fun. Isn't that... That's no longer your problem. Well, it's my you, house, too. You, oh, I was going to say, is your name still on it? Yes. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, Shelly's moved up quite a few rankings in the friend MySpace. Uh, I just put her. <laughs> top 12. Is that Oh, well, I'm not even on there. Yeah. Well, of course not. <laughs> You're not. You don't wear enough revealing clothing. So, but hold on. She's but what, even before you, Rick Emerson. Where am I? Are you able to look at her pictures? No, I can't see anything. Okay, I'm her. trying to where log in here, but it's taking forever. Sarah Dillon. You're on there. Um, so let me ask you this. <laughs> but when I asked you why you would not pursue something with her, you could have easily just said, well, she got a boyfriend. But you, that never came into it. You were just like, well, it's complicated, and we're friends, and, and it's she thing. Even if she didn't have a boyfriend, we, we probably wouldn't pursue that. I'm not saying Again. ever, but right now, because it's just, it's, it's, I mean. it's weird. It's weird. I'm at a very weird point right now. Now, is it weird because of her or because of you? Me. Are you saying I should not find then a slutty listener to have sex with you? Oh, no, no. By all means. See, oh, oh yes. So what, so what the hell? <laughs> because she has history, and he knows that this would severely oh. upset his ex-wife. That would Is be that like... it? Is that because your ex-wife's going to go nuclear? I don't think so. Oh, she totally... Come on. Because you know. Rick and I were talking because about this. bunny boiling No, time. because if you sleep with somebody or you're with somebody, then you date somebody else for a substantial amount of time and then get back together and then sleep with that person yeah. again. Afterward, it seems like the whole other one... It does. It, it, it seems like the whole time you were just sort of waiting to, uh, you know, maybe, waiting for that. Maybe, but... Oh, boy, I don't put this out on the air. But, you know, my wife was like, well, did anything happen? No. Why not? Like, um... Oh, that's I don't know creepy. Yeah. So I mean that that why that, haven't you had sex with another that woman? That is not the issue. That's not the issue. I pity you. T I G E R. Yeah. Uh, all right. How do Can I? Can you the pictures up? How do I sort this? Display uh, new. Click on S probably. Hold on a second. Well, let me. Disp- I'm just going to display my new friends because I think I just recently went through. And- oh, I have her URL. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you come over here and type it in? Okay. Because I just God, added. Creepy stalkers. It's on MySpace. That's not stalking. Oh, uh, she'll be thrilled. Oh, is this her? Shelly? Yeah. Okay. All right, you thrilled. found her? Uh, yeah. How come she's your friend? Why isn't Shelly my friend? I, I don't know. Uh, do you question. have it up? Uh, yeah, I'm clicking on it. It's taking forever to load, so um, <laughs> clicking here. and It's going to take forever. I can already tell. Is she going to have a song that's going to begin playing? I don't know. Where. Oh, here we go. I have no idea. I don't think so. Mood. Quixotic. <laughs> what kind of mood is that? That's not a mood. <laughs> it's kooky. You're in her top six, Scott. Oh, ho, ho, ho. what um, what number? 
Uh, <laughs> number one, Tom, number one. She, um, she sounded very avid MySpace. She only has eight friends. Yeah. Um, okay. And oh, she only has eight, eight wait, bad, Scott. She only has eight friends, and yet I am not in the top eight. <laughs> How is it? Let me, she has eight friends. Her top eight is, in fact, seven when people. When was the last time she checked her MySpace? I don't know. Last um, time she logged in. Jesus, the seven, what month is seven? July? No, 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 no. That's Last July. login, 7-11-2007, or is that British? That's 11-7. Okay, so... So it was two days ago. So I, we, we were totally friends at that point. She, she, she only has eight friends. Seven of them are just in a while. And yet it, I'm not one of them. She hasn't checked Thanks so much. I will get her on, the, on to... Uh, hey, wait, hold on. That. Look at the most recent comment. It's by Scotty. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, by Scott Daly. And it hey. says... Hey, you... How are you? <laughs> poker last night was a lot of fun. Many, many. I had friends over I... for poker on Saturday night. Poker? Ah. Because I hosted, so that was always a good thing. Thanks for hanging out on Friday. It was fantastic seeing you again. Cheers. Cheers. Wait, Very is this, casual. Is this guy beneath her, her boyfriend? I have no idea. I love your Maybe. picture. It's, it's so hot, two T's. That has right. to be John. That has to be the boyfriend. Maybe. I don't know. Let's see. Hold on. But he lives in Portland. Oh, that can't be him. Oh, it's Damn, private. people are pretentious Screw and think him. they need their profiles private. Let's click on her pictures and <laughs> analyze every one of them. <laughs> no private profiles annoy you. Yeah, don't don't join a networking site and then act like you're too good for anyone to see your page. I, you have to pass muster. All right. Oh, there are any close-ups? Uh, oh, there's see. one. Oh, there we go. All right, by the way, we're looking at the profiles of the <laughs> girl that Scott Dowley once slept with and who inexplicably he hasn't slept with again. A and for some reason she showed up at a film fever event. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's a coincidence. What's in a film fever event? Where, does she always wear things that show off her bosoms? I've seen her once in seven years. So, <laughs> so that's a yes. So yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, she's really cute. Now this she's is, wearing a beer T-shirt. She's wearing a Sessions shirt. This is not well spot at a bar. This is not her hair color now, is it? No. Her hair color now is I, almost black. Yeah, I think it's a little darker. Yeah, she's really cute. She's no, she's a very attractive mm -hmm. woman. She no, really, she she's very attractive. I, I was a fan. <laughs> All right. Well, she's a fan of Rick Emerson, so yeah, it's true. Yeah, they just go through you to get to me. That's yes, that's exactly. That's it. how that's, that's set up. That's my yeah, life. That's how it always works out. You know Rick Emerson. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah, I can't see. Now, I'm clicking on this other picture, and it's coming up the same one. Really? Yeah. Well, that's weird. All right. Bizarre. Well, okay. Um, hey, do you actually have a film to review? Uh, well, we could talk about how crappy Fred Claus is. Okay. Can we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's terrible. Um, but okay. I do have my top five. Oh, that's right. Uh, we got to do that. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so I've got a... Uh, a lot of cats in the cradle. Not one cat in the cradle. All right. There's kind of a theme with I, it. I got a little thing to play, so should I do that now or later? Do it now. All right. So I'm going to play this into uh, into break. Um, we had Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers on. Uh, great on, interview, by the way. Yeah, he was, he was a really great on Wednesday. That show is tomorrow. And I have two shows, actually, Saturday and Sunday at Burbati's. Uh You can go to uh, AZ Peacemakers. Dot com to find out more. Um, this is, uh, I will go ahead and play this as the lead-off track to their album, uh, Honky Tonk Union. Uh, this is called A Beautiful Disaster. Uh, he was writing a song about a, about a couple kind of out on the road, realized that he was... Uh, the, the, he was sort of aping Bruce Springsteen, so he actually then quotes a little bit of Born to Run in the song. So in the pre-chorus, you'll hear a little glockenspiel uh, uh, section that is actually uh, a little nod to Born to Run. So enjoy that. Uh, this is Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
It's the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, this music made courtesy of Fatboy Roberts, by the way. This is fantastic. I love his mixes. He created this. Yeah, this is a little mashup that Fatboy created. On our uh, on our show, we've been kind of using music bed of his stuff the last couple weeks. It's just fantastic. So. All right, coming up here in just a few, we'll do a top five from Scott Daly. Top five most listened to songs on Scott Daly's iPod. And Ladies off. and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. From Oregon City comes where the Metro South Transfer Station has been evacuated. <laughs> this happened shortly after 1 o'clock when workers saw some kind of cloud around the building. What color cloud? They don't know yet. Ooh. The source of the cloud is not identified. Was it a Jacob cloud? The one customer in the building was safely evacuated. One customer. <laughs> one whole customer. It's an exciting place. Mm-hmm. That's the Metro South Waste Transfer Station. Excellent. There'll be no waste transfers for the rest of the afternoon in Oregon City. Okay, now. Due to some Stay unidentified away. cloud over the building. <laughs> Stay away Oregon City, I guess, huh? Fantastic. Could it have been Jacob? That's ex- I was uh-huh. just going to say. That's exactly. That's why one of those Chernobyl things where they don't identify what the problem is. They just There's a sign that just says, roll up your windows and drive as fast as your car will go for the next 40 miles. <laughs> and don't stop. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Hold your breath as long as possible. Uh, despite a claim from his first wife, James Brown was divorced at the time he died. He was, in fact, divorced from Velma Brown, and that Velma Brown uh, filed the papers for that. So there. Jinkies. Mm-hmm. Scott Daly, do you want to review a movie of some sort? I'm sorry, I was trying to find the... (laughs) (laughs) Better late than never. (laughs) Gotta get there somewhere. All right. Yeah. A movie some for, uh, yeah, Fred Claus. Don't go see it. It's ass. <laughs> we, we have, uh, which is disappointing because it's got Vince Vaughn and, uh, and, uh, Paul Giamatti. I love Paul Giamatti. And we have, uh, Vince Vaughn here. Complete what really worked most in this film was finding the unique thing about is there naughty kids or not. And it's such a genre that's been done so many times. I think Jesse was able to stumble on a different, uh, way of looking at the Christmas holiday, uh, movie. I'm sorry. There's a little bit of chaos happening. Hold on. Let me just stop you. A little little bit of chaos as Sarah is actually getting ready to play the top five, which is, in fact, coming live off your iPod, is it not? That's correct. All right. And so there's a... There's some some confusion about whether it's plugged in correctly, well, but let's, let's hope it's, so. It's not the Apple product problem. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Tim. Thanks for that. I think that would be a correct assumption. I love my iPod. Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, uh, Vince Vaughn. I so mean, this movie just, is ass. It really is. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. There's nothing redeeming about it. There's like a very funny 90-second <laughs> bit that involves Roger Clinton and Adam Baldwin. Okay. And if, if Roger Clinton and Adam Baldwin can make your movie funny for 90 seconds and that's it, it's pretty Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. All right, there you go. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Fingers crossed this works. All right, Tim Riley. We'll prepare Tim Riley here to count down Scott Daly's top five. Counting is marvelous. We got Lycus coming up at, uh, that's okay, I'm letting you guys finish this. We got Lycus coming up today at uh, 3, Don and Mike at 7, the Forget Car and Driver Radio tomorrow, 6 to 9, and uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger, Miles Around 9 to 11. So what we are going to hear now, these are the top five songs most frequently played on the currently being divorced Scott Daly's iPod. And oddly enough, these songs aren't just, they're, when I hit shuffle, they, these are the songs that have randomly appeared the this most. This is what the universe is giving Very you. bizarre. So, right. Sarah, are you prepared? Um, if, I hope so. If Tim right. could read my chicken scratch there. I can read anybody's chicken scratch. Fantastic. With honorable mention, we have Social Distortion with the Ball and Chain. 
push the one with the uh, the Let's... arrow. There we go. There Tim, <laughs> I don't know if you were familiar with the iPod. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's, it's so intuitive, though. What a great commercial this just was for the iPod. She intuitively knew how to use it. There you go. This song is just fantastic on the levels. And this song also made it on my list because when I was down in Long Beach, my buddy Dave and I drank in Chris, the drummer of Social Distortion, has a bar called The Pike down there. And we went in there, hung out there for a few hours and drank lots of food. What a great song this is. This is a great song. So it has nothing to do of my thought of my wife. No, no, no. But it's just it's just one of those songs that's kind that of that was a little unprompted. And I'm just saying. I don't even think we asked that question. All you right. could have not put this on the top five. <laughs> I could have not. You're right. But that's why it's on the mention. What a great song. And you know the great thing about this song is he just sounds so believable. My, I played this for my friend Todd, who's actually not even a Social Distortion fan. He just doesn't really know them. And I played this, and that was his first response. He's like, I totally believe this guy. I mean, he sounds like the guy in the song. Totally, totally. Now, the order of this of this, uh, of this top five is going to be, it's going to start a little low, but it's going to kind of hit to a peak. Yeah, and exactly. then eventually get to one. Get to number one, exactly. <laughs> but it'll make sense. As you listen to the songs, it'll make sense. So. All right. All right. And and number like, five, the love of my life from Queen. Yeah. It's going to be right. such a, such a. Ooh. That's right. Wow, this is. Crazy. Well, thanks for bringing the room down. Yeah, just just wait listen to, to that wait. momentum. You want Rick to hold you in his underwear. <laughs> Rick, come hold me. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm lonely tonight, Rick. <laughs> Who can suck the air out of a room? Yeah. I could just see you sitting alone in like a darkened closet, bottle of Jack. Drinking whiskey from the bottle. Totally. <laughs> Weeping silently while holding a Winnie the Pooh doll. <laughs> and a lit candle in the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> this song is bathtub still... full of rose petals. This song is sad, but it's so beautiful. Listen to Mercury's voice, man. Oh, Scott wants to have a moment. We just want to laugh. I'm sorry. We're just deriding you. No, this song is just beautiful. I love Freddie Mercury. He's There's only one of him. That's why I never bothered to see that Queen reunion. I, they, uh, they offered me tickets to it. I'm like, no, screw that. I don't it's it's not Freddie Mercury. It's not no. Queen. No. no. He, he really is... They broke the mold. <laughs> yes, they did. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is like as you're sharpening the straight razor. <laughs> it totally is. In my underwear in the kitchen. Seriously. Maybe I should order a Domino's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, these are the top five songs Scott Daly's playing on his iPod this week. Number four, Isn't It a Pity, from George Harrison. Oh, yeah. This is the song that just kind of okay. You know what? This 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 is kind of a two-way street. We both kind of messed up. You've we, said some things. I've said yeah, some things. Yeah, we could have done things better. So. And this list is all dead people. So far. Well, I guess not social distortion, <laughs> but I mean, Jesus. So far, that's interesting point. I don't think I know the song. I'm not much of a George Harrison fan. Oh, man, oh, way, to, way to go, Scott. <laughs> Jesus. This is like when you're sitting parked in the car, like on the on the dock, looking out at the ocean, wondering if you should just drive in. I thought you meant like in the garage with the engine. <laughs> or that, too. Well, I was sitting on the plane listening to the song like, way down to Long Beach. This is as you're duct taping the hose to the exhaust pipe. <laughs> that is not funny, Mr. Larry. But this is the song I was sitting to listen to on the plane on my way down to Long Beach, and it just hit me. 
My God, every song that I've heard in the last hour <laughs> has been all, like this. They're all sad divorce songs. Exactly. All right. Sam Riley. Number three. You don't know what love is. White Stripes. Yeah. This I don't think I know this song. This is off uh, Icky Thump, their latest album. Is this clean? Yes. Oh. It's really okay. clean, right? Yes. This is that album that people claim is designed to blow out your speakers. If you crank this thing up, man, it will. I've heard reports from people listening on the radio. They're like, hey, I was listening on the radio, and it blew out my speakers. This is such a great song. What I love about the White Stripes is they record everything raw. I can hear it in my headphones. It's actually, I can hear that, too. I can hear it actually really pressing out the speakers. In my yeah. Headphones. This song was like, you know what? You just don't get it, do you? And they're divorced themselves. They are. Jack and Meg White. He really is amazingly talented. As much as I run hot and cold on his music, yeah, he's a guy that is really, he really is gifted. Counting on the top five songs that Scott Daly's listening to on his iPod this week. Nobody's Baby Now from Nick Care and the Bedsheets. Oh, Nick Care and the Bedsheets. Boy, the Nick Cave is I like the single Nick most Cave. depressing. Uh, what's Jesus. amazing about Nick Cave is his use of words. I mean, the, the opening, uh, the opening verse in the song is just fantastic. Yeah, this is this is music to kill yourself to. There's just what's in that voice? I tried to unravel the mystery of Jesus Christ the Savior. Okay. Yeah. This is so great. He does that song, Mercy Seat, yes, which is like one of the creepiest things I've ever heard. Do you want to hear a creepy album? He does an album called Burger Ballads. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think Johnny was telling me about it's that. It's fantastic. This is kind of eerie. Yeah. He's got a very eerie tone. This is like the closing credits of the movie as the camera's just going off into the cloudy sky. Mm-hmm. This is when they're doing the on the screen, beware are they now. Yes. Scott Daly's body was never found. <laughs> All right. Counting down, the Tim is getting chills by listening okay. to this. Let me make sure this noose is tight before you kick the chair away. <laughs> Scott, please don't kill yourself this weekend. We'll feel really We'd bad. feel terrible. And then it's going to be like blamed on us. <laughs> then you just ruin everybody's life. No don't killing. take us down with you. This program's for the living. <laughs> All right. This is the number one song being played on Scott Daly's iPod this Number week. one, you can't always get what you want. Oh, come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Yes. Right. This is kind of like my accepting song. This is the final stage of grief. This, this is stage yeah, five. Is, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just oh, might I find. See. Because it started with anger, and then now it's all peaceful and understandable. Well, you know what? And here's the thing about this song. And I'm not trying to... I really, honestly, I'm not trying to say anything about, about your uh, soon-to-be ex-wife. No. Uh, I'm not saying that. But if you listen to the story arc of the song, in this first lyric, he is... Um, he is seeing a girl get married to someone else, and he is very sad about it because he, he wants to be with her. Right. But then if you listen to the final lyric, he sees her then again getting hap- unhappily married to yet another man, and he realizes that she is bad news, and that he realizes that it was for the best that it didn't happen. Right. He realizes that it was, like, for the best that he did not, you know, because she was not the one for him, you know, in the end. What a beautiful song this, this song is. This song is gorgeous. This is the only good rock song ever to have a French horn. Yes, it is. What is it that what is it the guy says in high fidelity? Automatic automatic disqualification for being used in the big chill. <laughs> it's a beautiful song though. 
All right, we'll just let this play into break. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest Woo! newsman in the history of the world. Back after this, don't go anywhere. I'm so hurt today at the reception. A glass of wine in her hand. I knew she was going to meet her connection. At her feet was footloose man. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you might find. Of the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. While we're thinking about it, Scott, what's your email address? Scott at filmfeverradio.com. Right. Let's see what these people have for you to do. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. What should Scott Daly do tonight? Do you have social uh, plans for him? Okay, so getting divorced, there's only one thing you do. Go to MFP, the backside of the bar by the cigarette machine, sit there, drink shot after shot of Jack Daniels. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, do you have social plans for Scott Daly? He has nothing to do yeah, on this he, Friday night. He should go to the Horse Brass Saloon and throw darts tonight. I don't know. About the horse there you go. in Belmont. Yeah, I like yeah, the no, that's like, a great place. There's like 40 or 50 women out there every Friday night, and they're almost as good looking as Sarah. There you go. Oh, oh there you go. Thank you. Thank and you they're drunk. Suggestion. Thank you. All right, thank you, sir. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Do you have a social life suggestion for Scott uh, Daly tonight? Yeah, I think uh, Scott should uh, get some jank on I knew that was yeah. I know. I knew the law of averages. But the problem is, where can I score some jank uh, I can make you some. <laughs> Give me about five hours and uh, some bran. That's fantastic. Thank All, right, you. Yes, yes. All right, thank you. All right, yep. All right thank you, my friend. All right, so the, so your uh, email address is scott at filmfeverradio.com. That's right. All right, and, so, uh, yeah. so anybody out there, ladies hey, perhaps? Yeah, i got to tell you, this is one of those things that isn't on the market for very long. Oh. He's going to be snatched up. Oh. You said just like a car salesman. Seriously. Let me tell you, this baby is going to go quickly. You don't you know, see these all the time. I was saying there's only a small window of opportunity. Someone's coming in at 5 today to look at this model, so, you know, got to make their mind right oh, now. Totally. There was somebody here earlier, and they had to go to the bank. Now, they're not here right now. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Do you have a social life suggestion for Scott Daly? Absolutely. He needs to go have a $4 steak on uh, McLaughlin. Ah, oh, the Acropolis. Oh. Love the well done. The Thank years. you, sir. Good suggestion. Very one good. more. I think we have time for one more here. Uh, final call. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Do you have a social life suggestion for Scott Daly? Yeah, hey, Scott. Hey. Um, my shoes are completely clean and available if you need a place to puke tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, com. what's on this week's yeah, episode? This week's Max episode? Brooks? No. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Happen. I thought you guys it were going to happen. I, I did, too. No, it's all right. It's not your fault. We, open we, we sent the email. Right. But, no, we've got uh, a review of Fred Claus, uh, and we, t- we, we give our thoughts on the writer's strike. And I, I taunt Aaron Moore with some more Star Trek movie news. Excellent. And it just sends him over the edge. So it's a lot of fun. So Film Fever Radio, uh, it'll be up this evening by 6, I believe. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Scott Daly and Aaron Duran, Film Scott Fever Radio. FilmFeverRadio.com. And yes, it's, yes, his email address. I'll put that on the website tonight as well. <laughs> Scott at FilmFeverRadio.com. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley, uh, Richie Bristol on the phones, and, of course, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, uh, CBS Radio Portland. 
and marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents James Roop, Lisa Desjardins, and Rachel McGrath. Also, Max Brooks, author of World War Z. Did I leave anybody else out? No, I guess that is it. All right, my friends. Thank you for listening. Go see Roger Klein this weekend. Uh, Dennis Pitsenbarger tomorrow, 9 to 11, immediately preceded by Car and Driver Radio. We will see you on Monday. Be safe. Don't let the bastards run it down. Watch out for snakes. Thanks for listening. Uh, See you all Monday. Bye now.